It's Friday, April 29th, 2022, and this is the People's Podcast. This is Steak for Breakfast. Smokey, this is not Nam. This is bowling. There are rules. Today, Junior! America! Steak. For breakfast! So stand by! To the gold Panameras And to the wood grain in my labo I go to extra mile, my flow scapples Crew cuts to older niggas The same room is just the same goons When niggas catch visions of killing capitals Palestinian armor Golden rocket launcher, my aunt She copped it for me, bought it in Rwanda See demons scheming Niggas get live in the beacon I'm sure This episode of the podcast is brought to you as always by Man Rubs Rubs, barbecue tools, blow torches, t-shirts, coffee cups And all around barbecue related gear For you to make barbecue great again Can be found to manrubs.com and on Instagram, manrubs. Use the code STAKE15 for 15% off. Also brought to you by Stay Ready Gear. They're at stayreadygear.com and on Instagram, stayreadygearusa. Holsters, custom kydex, mag carriers, tourniquet carriers, on and off duty gear, hot melted plastic, custom orders. Use the code STAKE for 5% off your order. Don't get ready. Stay ready. The pillow king of Minnesota and the apparatus known as the MyPillow family Headed by none other than Mike Lindell. It's getting ready to have a little BOGO. You ever hear that, Noah? BOGO? Buy one, get one free. Ooh. My pillow bed sheets, Giza Dream Elegance pillows, six piece towel sets, and rolling gold anywhere, my pillows. Much, much more. Head over to the website, mypillow.com. I have one of those rolling goes. It's legit. And the promo code STEAK under the radio listener specials page. And you can get those big, big savings. Buy one, get one free. Like I said, hit them up on the website or you can talk to a qualified pillow representative. 1-800-658-8045. The top tier of ear gear and all things related. The world's most technologically advanced in-studio recording equipment specializing in headphones can be found at Odyssey. Whether you're gaming, potting, Cuban Lynx smoking stink in the Brinks truck. Get that ear gear taken care of. Odyssey.com is the website. Find them on Facebook and Instagram as well. Mike down at West Coast Survival Arms has been servicing Southern California for over a decade. He's a licensed FFL if you're into tradesies. He's got a five-star rating. Newly redesigned, easy-to-use website, westcoastsurvivalarms.com. Hit him up on Facebook Messenger or via the telephone, 619-870-6992. Steak for breakfast backs the blue. We love our first responders, and they're always working hard. They're usually wearing gear for Mediocre Medic. Flip-flops, fanny packs, sweatshirts, T-shirts, and more for while they're off-duty. Stickers and patches for while they're on the job. Plus, I got a pretty fire IG. Mediocremedic.com is the website. And last but certainly not least, the gold standard of tactical flair. Home of the Zero Fucks Duck. Can be found at Dumpbox. Don't know? Go ask Mark Joe Friday. Dumpbox.ud is the website. Find him on Instagram, find him on Facebook. Friends, don't forget to follow the show on Instagram at Steak for Podcast Breakfast. Or on the website at SteakforBreakfastPodcast.com. There you'll find a link tree that'll take you to all our social medias the website, our new Substack, Telegram, and more. And on that note, and to all our friends joining us today on the Patriot Podcast Network via the Roku app, from the Twitterverse, Instagram, Discord, and now, True Social. Welcome Friday edition, Steak for Breakfast Podcast, episode 130. I'm Roan. Noah's here. Yo. 
Alan Jacoby's in for guest hosting hey, hey. duties today. Alan, welcome. Hey, what's going on? Antoinette's going to be back next week, it's looking like. Coming back from a little medical sabbatical. And uh, we've got a big, big America First show lined up for you today. Two of the biggest in the game right now, probably the two most popular in their respective races, one for the House and one for the Senate. Joe Kent and Herschel Walker are going to be joining us a little bit later in the program. But first, let's get to the news. Well, the DHS secretary, Alejandro Mayorkas, was up on Capitol Hill yesterday getting absolutely fucking destroyed and dunked on. Can you imagine working for that guy, like being underneath him in that agency, like how disappointing that must be? You know, I've seen a lot of the uh, liberal progressive news outlets in the legacy media who like to call him Ale. Instead of he's Alejandro. so shitty at his job. He's Ale? so shitty. Really? Yeah. Saying he's such a smart guy and he's very frustrated on what's going on and he wants to do different. He wants to do better. Mm. Lo and behold, you, you've seen it, the file footage on TV. You've seen when, the When's he going to start doing better? <laughs> is it soon? I can tell you one Wait, thing. Wait, is it Kamala Harris going to talk about when it is? And the time for him to do better. Remember, space is the is, is is soon is what brings us together, and is also the distance apart. They really say that he's a smart individual. Yeah, they say he's brilliant. He well, I mean, he, who else can dance around the freaking subject and not do his job while knowingly not doing his job and still act like he's doing his job? He's pretty fucking smart. Yeah, and, and then did. and then literally, literally, he had no idea that Biden's disinformation czar. Suggested that Hunter's laptop was Russian disinformation. Oh, we're gonna get. Into yeah, that. he had he had no idea about that. I'm he's pretty a really sure smart guy. They all fucking know all of these yeah. answers, and I just uh, I'm not aware of that. Uh, I, I couldn't speak on that uh, topic. Uh, we're gonna get into that in a little bit more a little bit later in the show, but let's not get too ahead of ourselves. Mm. So it's that part of the year where everybody who works in the cabinet goes and grifts the committees to justify their budget and ask for the money that was proposed and more. Um, Alejandro Americas does not get a free pass, and therefore he was up on Capitol Hill yesterday in front of the uh, committee trying to, um, you know, talk about all the stuff that uh, they're doing well down on the southwest border nah. and all of the protections they're adding. Just to set the tone, and we'll, 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 we'll call it a pregame intro, here's Democrat Representative Escobar. So this is how it went. You could probably take away from her hit how productive this was. Thank you so much for being here. And let me from the onset apologize to you, your family, and your staff for the sickening, breathtakingly xenophobic political oh, theater that has Jesus occurred at this hearing. Christ. So that's the lead in. Shut. Uh, hold on. Let me just do my just usual. Shut stop. the fuck up. Yeah. God. What? So you, you could tell where this one's going. Uh, two plus two is always four. Five. Mm. Oh, that's racist now, huh? <laughs> Two plus two is fucking stupid. Come on. (laughs) You know, there were some hot topics on the table yesterday. One of them was Title 42. Mm. Um, Yeah, with with its impending doom coming at sometime in May. Um, He was talking about that. And, uh, you know, I tell you, from top to bottom, this, this hearing did not go well for him. Let's hear him talk about the plans. Or the perspective of what's going to happen once Title 42 is lifted. <laughs> Plants. With the Title 42 public health order set to be lifted, we expect migration levels to increase as smugglers seek to take advantage of and profit from vulnerable migrants. We will continue to, to enforce let them in. our immigration laws. Damn it, I was what? so close. After Title 42 <laughs> is lifted, 
Non-citizens will be processed pursuant to Title VIII, which provides that individuals who cross the border without legal authorization are processed for removal and, if unable, to establish a legal basis to remain in the United States, promptly removed from the country. Bullshit. We started our planning last September. Mm, and we are leading well the execution so of a whole-of-government strategy, which stands on six pillars to prepare for and manage the rise in non-citizen encounters. Uh. One, surge resources, including personnel, transportation, medical support, and facilities. I.e. overtime. increase efficiency without compromising the integrity of our screening processes mm. to reduce strain on the border. Three, administer consequences for unlawful entry, oh. including expedited removal and criminal prosecution. You hear that, Noah? Four, bolster the capacity of NGOs <sighs> and coordinate with state, local, and community partners. That's what they're doing now. Five, yep. target and disrupt transnational criminal organizations and human smugglers. Good Six, luck. Six, deter irregular migration south of our border hmm. in partnership with other federal agencies and nations. Now, just for our listening audience, they did give him a little time to talk before some of the heavy hitters weighed in. Um, he touched next on the economic downturn and increase in violence, the significant impacts of climate change as reasons mm. for the influx of what they call seasonal non-citizen apprehensions at the border. So was the climate okay when Trump was president? We didn't have climate issues because they weren't coming in these droves during that time. So the climate was okay, I guess. It was always sunny on the southwest border when Donald Trump was right. president. Let's hear Mayorkas try to wrap his brain around it. It is very important, I think, that everyone understands that an increase in migratory flows is not something unique to the United States. This is something that countries throughout the region, throughout the Western Hemisphere, and as we have seen so powerfully mm. and regrettably throughout the world, we have seen more than five million uh, Ukrainians oh. flee their country that has been so brutally attacked. Two million have uh, already Russia. returned to their country. We have really? um, yeah. Colombia in the southern part of our hemisphere experiencing more than 1.8 million Venezuelans within its borders. Oh. I recently traveled to Costa Rica, oh. to Panama, and oh. heard from other countries with respect to the sim similar challenges that they are facing. These challenges are brought about and made more acute by the COVID-19 pandemic. Oh. Some of the causes of irregular migration have only been heightened in years of distress preceding this administration. Economic downturn, an increase in violence, the significant impacts of climate change. Oh. These are the forces that drive people to leave their homes that they have established and in which they have grown up for years. So... The shit that usually goes bad in third world countries combined with climate change and four years of Donald Trump has led to the massive seasonal uptick in non-citizens trying to claim asylum here. What a stupid son of a bitch. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's mm -hmm. unbelievable. Just the bullshit that, that is spewing from so, his pile. <laughs> economic downturn and violence? I don't even know what that means. <laughs> you mean the shit that's, that happened when... Biden got into office. Mm. Is he talking about their economic down, uh, our economic downturn? Like, like when you guys turned the economy down, big down. <laughs> Alan looks stupefied. 
<laughs> this guy is such I just I can't get over it. Every time me every time I see him, I picture Uncle Fester with cancer. I just want to shove a light bulb in his mouth, knowing that it's not gonna light up. It'll like probably, that's it'll probably get very sad. Well, if it doesn't light up, <laughs> shove harder. One of the things he forgot in his opening statement was to blame Congress, which he quickly caught and in the next breath caught, you know, inserted mm-hmm. into the narrative. Dismantled system that is already under strain. It is not built to manage the current levels and types of migratory flows. No, thanks Only to you. Congress can fix this. Hmm. Yet we have effectively managed an unprecedented number of non-citizens seeking to enter the United States and interdicted more drugs and disrupted more smuggling operations than ever before. Hmm. A significant increase in migrant encounters will strain our system even further, and we will address this challenge successfully. Hmm. But it will take time, and we need the partnership of Congress, state and local officials, NGOs, and communities to do so. To build on our ongoing work in this budget, we have requested funding to hire 300 new Border Patrol agents, the that's first it. increase since 2011. Oh, that's good. Ensure the safe and humane treatment of migrants and operationalize a new rule on asylum processing. Oh, so the 300 for processing, not for actual job, the job. Drug smuggling operations, combat the heinous crime of child exploitation heinous. and human trafficking, and stop goods produced by forced labor from entering our markets. That's what we're worried about, a, a fake Fake purses, imitation, uh, slave labor. That's what we're worried about. <sighs> wow. Wow. And he had this plan since September, right? They said that this big plan was implemented in September. They were talking about it since September, right? Did I hear that right? Operational planning, which included him going down to the uh, Golden Triangle countries to tell them. Well, first he had to hear their complaints that all the migrants that are coming through are trashing their countries, and he offered ways to streamline them faster through those countries so they can get to the southern border of the United States quicker. Makes perfect sense. Total sense. That was eight eight months ago, and I think it was Congressman Matt Gates from Florida who was questioning him about, I think it was 42. Was it Matt Gates or was it uh, maybe I don't know if it was uh, Republican congressman, 42 or 44 uh, migrants, illegal aliens that were on a terrorist watch list that he couldn't answer or, or confirm that if they were deported yet or if they were still in the country and in custody or if they were released into the country. And I think the answer is a lot of them were released into the country. Well, diabetes during COVID is, is a pretty good uh, equation to get yourself released from custody and into the country. Yep. But don't worry and and, and never fret because if there was one thing that Alejandro Mayorkas feels in his heart of hearts, it's that overall they're doing a good job. (laughs) Literally. Yeah. Yeah. And in the last couple play of his uh, preamble to the dunk fest, um, he's going to say just that about how amazing job they've been doing and that they have total operational control of the border. Of course. Are you saying that they don't? Mm. Arguable, debatable, debatable, deplorable. Let's hear. How it. many people? Oh, go ahead. We inherited a broken and dismantled system that is already under strain. It is not built to manage the current levels and types of migratory flows. Only Congress can fix this. Yet, we have effectively managed an unprecedented number of non-citizens. Seeking to enter the United States. So he laid his case 
before a congressional committee and didn't take responsibility for any of the failures. And it was at that point that people were allowed to start weighing in on what was going on down there and what he was going to take responsibility for, which we all know is virtually nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, we did have a pretty good lineup of people there. Jim Jordan, Chip Roy, and Matt Gates, I think, were the uh, winners, not in any specific order, of the dunk contest. And, uh, Alan, what were you going to say before we jumped into uh, – I was going to ask, how many people total have have flooded into this country since the Biden regime took over? All of them. The estimates with with getaways is somewhere north of three million people. So three million, right? Yeah. And now we know people are coming here and they're getting court dates three and five years when they're never going to show up. And they're here out of those three million people. I mean, can can we say at least two million are, are here to stay and will never get deported, at least under this current administration? That's probably a low number. Mm hmm. Probably a low number, right? Pretty closer to three million. I talked about this on my show uh, last night where, you know, I I always say that this open border and the stopping of the wall uh, building is the largest uh, Democratic voter registration drive in modern U.S. history. Let's get them all in, get them amnesty, asylum. Let's give them all driver's licenses and voter registration cards that are, say, Democrat. Well, I think maybe conservatives, Republicans need to look at this differently and realize that these people are here to stay and that if they are eventually going to get asylum and, and, and have the ability to vote in our federal elections, well, maybe we need to start harvesting them into uh, making them really um, smart, loyal Republican and conservative voters, because that seems to what the, the plan is for the Democrats. So it's like playing fire with fire. And I, I, I think that might be a a move that Republicans might have to start doing because they're getting flown and bust everywhere. Every state is a border state. You're getting them in red states, blue states, purple states. And they're not they're not just going to disappear one day and say, oh, we have our country back. We have three million people that all got deported. No, maybe closer to three million are here to stay. Well, the Democrats want to turn them into Democrat voters. but We need to turn as many of them into Republican voters as possible. That's just my my take on on that part of it. I don't know how you guys feel. I agree. I think a lot of the the big misconception is is that these people are going to, you know, come in and get everything, and eventually they will get through Democrat policies and legislation a pathway to citizenship, but they have to realize at the point that they become U.S. citizens is when— They lose all their power. Yeah, Democrats st- stop caring about them. Yeah. And, and like a lot yeah. of the African-Americans, Latino, and Asian community who have transitioned, uh, you know, since 2016 over to the Republican Party now, especially in larger numbers, bigger than ever before. Well, yeah, because they, they put in the effort to emigrate or become citizens the correct way. Mm-hmm. And it's disrespectful to them to see like, well, I just spent five years trying to become a citizen. I had to take a test. I had to do all this other shit. And these people just like, you know, crash the border in a Buick LeSabre and they're just yeah. in now. Like what? Get on the bus. Here's your extended stay America accommodations for free. Here's your new wardrobe for free. Here's an envelope full of cash with a plane ticket. Here's your prepaid debit or credit card on the United States government. And don't forget and, your new uh, iPhone. Oh, welcome. It's, it's Galaxy 7. Oh, sorry. Galaxy 7. Your new Galaxy 7. They're getting cell phones too? Oh, yeah. yeah. Brand new ones. So uh, in, in an attempt to be able to track them, that's less, or I'm sorry, more humane than the standard ankle monitor. They're being given 
Galaxy 7s now at the border. And uh, So now we're tracking like whoever stole their phone or whoever they sold the phone to or they are smart enough to disable the tracking stuff, which right. I'm sure at a fee, your coyote smuggler will do for you. Absolutely. Just yeah, sell it and go buy a prepaid. Why not go get a Boost Mobile? Go yeah. get, I mean, just go and buy and, and get rid of it and go buy a prepaid phone and you're done. I mean, what's the... What's not that they're ever going to like go try to find these people, but no, hypothetically never. speaking, if they did, they'd be showing up at the wrong address. You guys want to talk about the human Boost Mobile. It comes in the form of House Representative Jim Jordan. <laughs> he, he was first up on the block. Let's, let's see his attempt. 42 illegal... Uh, immigrants were uh, encountered at our border are on the terrorist and no-fly list. Are any of them still in our country? Gentlemen's time has expired. This is an important question for this committee. Are any of them still in our country? Congressman, I will um, deliver to you a response with respect no, to... No, 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 that's a simple question. Are terrorists, on, people on the terrorist watch list, no-fly list, are they still in the United States that you've encountered on the border? Uh, Congressman, some of them may be still in detention. So I will have any of them been released. Have any of them been released? Time has expired. This is critical for the recognize. You got 42. I just have they been released. Can you will the gentleman answer that question? Congressman, I will provide you with. Thank you, Madam Chair. Thank you, Madam Chair. Ranking member, I believe it is my time. Madam Chair, if I could just one second. I'm sorry. The gentleman's time is like they're even talking over me. We want to know if terrorists, people on the terrorist watch list, have any of them been released? And he won't answer that question. Mr. Jordan, it is my time. But this is about people. It is my time. That's a pretty time important has question. That's a pretty important question. Thank I you. I can't Secretary Mayorkas. Nobody doesn't want to know the it would be it would be a, it would be a lob up. They too. were talking over Mayorkas to protect him from even having to try to answer that question. Mm -hmm. It's fucking yep. bullshit. And Mayorkas was stalling, knew they were playing off each other. And this is what the Democrats don't want the American people to hear the real answer. Oh, your, your, your time has expired. Fuck you. Your time has expired. Yeah. You don't really yeah, hear I, the time expiring on anybody else except for. I, I, I pay your goddamn salary. I want to hear the answer of this hack sitting there. Secretary of, of Homeland Security who's been lying to everyone. I want to hear his answer that there are terrorists watch list people on the terrorist watch list on the no fly list that they've been released into our country because we know that they have oh they might still be in detention bullshit so that heated exchange led to the last two questionnaires of the day um and they came in the forms of u.s house rep chip roy followed by matt gates and these are a little bit longer clips but i think for our listening audience who doesn't generally tune into c-span <laughs> or doesn't just want to see like a 10 second snippet of it on Boomer Sweats, Hannity, or some other bullshit like that. You really have to take into full context what is going on up on Capitol Hill before. Some of the stuff is absolutely unprecedented. Some of the accusations, you've never heard people in the halls of Congress say to actual sitting Congress members before. So we're going to play both of them. We're going to talk about them as well. Let's hear Chip Roy. He's up first. Uh, Mr. Secretary, there have been over one million plus individuals put into proceedings or released into the United States on your watch. I've asked multiple Border Patrol personnel, not the union, mind you, if we double, triple, quadruple the CBP budget, would that one million release go down? And they categorically said no, it would go up. Do you agree, yes or no? I'm not sure I understand your question, Congressman. With the addition... With the number of people being released in the United States under current law, would it go down no matter how much you increased your budget? Um, uh, and it would not, as uh, they said. Do you agree, yes uh, or no? Uh, Congressman, if I understand your question correctly, when individuals are in the United States and they make a claim right. for asylum... So the number would not go down, is the answer. 
right? Yes or no? That's what they said, and I think you've just answered it. It would not go down. Um, the only plan that you offer, the plan you just offered, is to process aliens faster and encourage more to come. Yep. We know that to be true. I know it's true. You know it's true. Cartels know it's true, and people around the world know it's true, and that's why people are coming. That is false. The secure, it's not false. Yes, it the is. entirety of your plan says that. The Secure Fence Act of 2006 says what? That the Secretary of Homeland Security shall take all actions the Secretary determines necessary to achieve and maintain operational control over the entire international land and maritime borders. Will you testify under oath right now, do we have operational control, yes or no? Yes, we do. And we have we operational are, control wow. of the borders. Yes, we do, and Congressman, and we are working to... So what operational control defined? In this section, the term operational control means the prevention of all unlawful entries into the United States, including entries by terrorists, other unlawful aliens, instruments of terrorism, narcotics, and other contraband. Do you stand by in your testimony that we have operational control in light of this definition? And Congressman, I think the um, Secretary of Homeland Security would have said the same thing in 2020 and in it, 2019. No, the the, the, well, the Secretary would have at least had a basis for saying that we have some sort of control of the border, but the fact is we currently have people flowing across the border, including dangerous narcotics and dangerous members of terrorists, which your own agency sent a letter to my office after eight months we sent a letter saying there are 42 people on the terrorist watch list that are in the United States. You just said to Mr. Jordan, you don't even know where the hell they are. Facts. That, mm -hmm. That's what you're saying is operational control, including entries by terrorists and unlawful aliens. It's not. It's not operational control. Mr. Secretary, let me ask you a question. When we're looking ahead and we're talking about asylum, okay? Here, if the officer determines at the time of the interview that an alien has a credible fear of persecution, the alien shall be detained for further consideration. Mandatory detention. Any alien subject to the procedure under this clause shall be detained mm. pending a final determination of credible fear of persecution. Or is everyone being detained? Yes or no? Uh, no. And as a matter of fact, uh, Congressman, that is an issue that is before the United States Supreme Court. And and the fact of the matter is our law the says they should be detained and your agency is releasing people on purpose Con in order to flood the zone and make sure that more people can come to the United Con States. And you use parole to do it. Parole of aliens to, within the following groups have been retained. Come down here on a case-by-case -case basis for urgent humanitarian reasons or significant public benefit. Yet your office is using parole. But when you use parole, the fact is they're not showing back up to ICE. Your own letter to Senator Johnson, to this, uh, this committee, have acknowledged they're not showing back up to ICE. Yeah, I mean, how can you be saying that you have operational control or that we're securing the United States when they're not showing back up? Congressman, are you um, actually interested in the facts and the law? Yeah, uh, I'm actually that, uh, I'm reading you the law. Wow. I'm actually talking to you about the facts about who's into this country. Actually, you're now, let, now, let's actually go to something that's... Uh, Chairman, can the witness be allowed to answer Texas. the question? Well, there wasn't a question there Mr. to be answered on that time. point. Now, let's talk about the damage being done to the United States of America. Mr. Secretary, do you know what this is? This is a mobile morgue, a body trailer, needed by counties in South Texas overwhelmed by dead migrants. That particular trailer is filled with these bodies, 27 bodies that were stored in this mobile morgue in South Texas with dead bodies of migrants. Dead bodies like this one found on a ranch just three weeks ago in South Texas a dead migrant, somehow that's compassion. How about the dead bodies found by migrants? Compassion. How about the ranchers who had to walk out of their door and this is what they face, gentlemen with rocks threatening a rancher in South Texas, only able to be saved when they are able to bring their dogs out to scare the people away in order to save themselves. Or the fact that you've got houses being attacked, you've got livestock dead on the side because we've got 
ranch is wide open. How about the little girl here with a brand on her arm? A little girl with a brand on her arm because of your policies. He is a little girl up. here in the desert found by ranchers trying to save their life. And how about the lost voices for people dying from fentanyl? The hundreds of thousands, tens of thousands of Americans dying from fentanyl. Faces, faces of Americans, faces of Americans across this country dying because of fentanyl pouring into our country. The time of the gentleman has expired. You know full well. The time of the gentleman has expired, Mr. Encouraging people to come here, harming Texas and harming this country. Time of you know it. You and you're ignoring the, the time of truth. the gentleman has expired. He no longer has time to slander the secretary. Ms. Scanlon. Slander, slander the secretary. Slander the secretary. Mayorkas. Ms. Scanlon. Ms. Scanlon. Thank you, Secretary no Mayorkas. Over here. Slander the secretary. Everything he said uh, was fact. And they're fucking complicit, too, by protecting him. You don't know how many times during that exchange when they were actually going back and forth that Mayorkas would answer something and just sit there with a smile on his face. It's infuriating. Embarrassing. It's, a, it's set up. It's set up by design. It is fucking treasonous. It is unbelievable. Slandering the secretary. All he did was give facts. And the only thing, the longest response from Mayorkas was, would you... You would get the same answer from the Secretary of Homeland Security in 2020 and 2019. The numbers speak for themselves. Yeah. They really think the American people are complete morons, idiots, useful idiots. Yeah, it was, it was not good um, because that's the thing. Well, they want to say slander. And things of that nature, but what you really have to consider is, is that it's actual facts. Facts. And uh, completely legitimate. He cited laws. He said he talked to agents and supervisory staff within the multiple agencies on the ground. He uh, had some stats and data himself. And although he didn't let Alejandro Mayorkas uh, answer for himself, I really don't think he would have gave us anything relevant. Nothing. Final clip of this segment. It's another... A little bit long one, but one you should definitely hear in its entirety. And it was the final exchange of the committee hearing um, from the Republican side. And that came from U.S. House Representative out of Florida One, Matt Gates. Let's jump into this real quick and then we'll talk about it. 1.2 million people are undetained, free, roaming about the country. They've gone before a judge. A judge has issued a final order of removal. How many ICE agents do you need to deport them? Uh, Congressman, I think um, uh, what we need is legislation to fix the broken immigration system. Because well, let we me don't need I legislation to overcome a final order of removal, right? Look, I get it. You want comprehensive immigration reform and a big amnesty thing. Very unlikely that's going to happen. So we have to operate under the laws that exist now. So under the laws that exist now, a judge has told 1.2 million people that they have no right to be here. Do you plan to remove those 1.2 million people? Um, uh, Congressman, with the resources we have, and I would appreciate the opportunity to answer your question fully, with the resources we have, we have to allocate those resources. How, how much money do you need to deport all of them? How much money? To, to, how many agents? To, to, um, to deport the 1.2 million who a judge has said has no right to be here. Uh, uh, Congressman, uh, the there are a number of questions that your question uh, raises with respect to whether uh, all of those individuals actually have been given uh, due process. No, 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 no they have. They, yes, because these are the people who've had the due process, okay? And here's the point. 
you have no plan to remove them. He knows exactly what he's saying. You don't know how saying. many ICE agents it would take, and you don't know how much money it would take, because okay. you actually don't want to remove them. Oh. That's why you issued the September 30th guidance that says, well, you know, if you haven't committed a crime and you just came to our country illegally, we're not going to remove you. Yep. Isn't that your position? Uh, no, it isn't, Congressman. Oh. Not at all. Well, then then, then you, what is your plan it. to remove the $1.2 million? Let me, if, if I may. As an, do you have one? As, yes, yes, we do. If, if I may, sure. Congressman, as a former prosecutor, let me ask you a question. If one has a finite uh, amount of resources and one has a finite number of hours and one has a choice of removing 20 shoplifters or three um, uh, fugitive armed bank robbers, how would you spend your time? Well, I know how you've spent yours. I know how you've spent yours by by decreasing by 48 percent the number of criminals you arrest by deporting 63 percent fewer convicted criminals. You have the lowest deportation rate in the history of the department, right? Your data that you cite is misleading. Oh. No, it's your data. This is actually what but your own incorrect. agency is reporting. So, do you think that it just might be the case that one reason? that we will encounter the highest number of illegal immigrations in our nation's history this month and next month because everybody knows that even if they come here, even if they go through the removal procedures, even if a judge issues a final order, you still think there might be more due process and you have no plan to remove them. And then when I ask you what the plan is, you say, oh, well, resources, I got to make finite decisions. I go back to my first question, how many ICE agents to remove the 1.2 million? Um, Congressman, I'd be pleased to provide you with a resourcing uh, data subsequent data. to this hearing, if I may. And I think it's I telling speak. that you. I, I think it's if, telling that you got plans for pronouns and you got plans for misinformation. But when it comes to the plan to remove the people that have had due process, you don't have one at all. Now, 800,000 people have encountered your CBP agents, and those folks have been released into the country. Like some of those people are going to commit crimes, aren't they? Uh, Congressman, uh, may I have a moment to answer uh, I, I, your questions? Will some uh, of the 800,000 commit crimes, yes or no? Uh, undoubtedly. Ah. Undoubtedly. And so the Americans who are the victims of the crimes for the people that you release in the country are collateral damage that you are willing to accept in order to have our border function as a turnstile. You're willing to accept that collateral damage. Congressman, I couldn't disagree with you more. Really? Uh, let me let me give you, if I can, some data mm. uh, that will actually- well, More than the data. How about this? Well, how, did it, how did it feel to you when you went to the border and the border patrol agents turned their back on you? Oof. Uh, one uh, border patrol agent uh, turned his back on me and I addressed that as uh, was only the, leader, the leader of the Gates Department of Homeland Security. <laughs> so if I can return to data because I want to um, we make see sure that you have accurate information. Everyone knows that you have more people coming in than ever and you're removing fewer people than ever and it's because you have no plan and because it's on purpose. See, I don't buy the theory that you don't know how to do this. I think you're actually a highly competent dude. But the reality is you, your plan is to bring these people in and to send the message to the smugglers and the criminals that they will never have to leave. That's why your workforce turns their back on you. And you have tools that you could use to deport these people. You have facial recognition. You have flights going all over the country, dropping people off. And I think we ought to use the best tools in the country to find these folks, round them up like they were at the Capitol on January 6th, and deport every last one of them. Oh, nice. Listen. Back I mean, they, Matt, did, they did find all the January 6th people they really sure, quick. They sure did. I like how he tied that. Yeah. Like, when he said facial recognition, I was like, where's he going with this? Then he tied it right into that. Bated a fence direction. 
So they that, hunted January yeah. 6th defendants like Nazis hunted Jews in Poland, yeah. and they found hundreds of them in record time. Yeah. And now we have 1.2 million undetained illegal aliens that broke our American immigration laws to enter this country that have final orders of removal that were given by a judge, a federal judge, I'd imagine. And now they're doing nothing about it but complaining and blaming Homeland Security should receive no funding whatsoever for anything with the exception, specific uh, exception for enforcing the removal of those final orders, those final orders of removal from a judge. Mm -hmm. That's what enforce the laws. You want money? Here's the funding for that. Don't use it for anything else. 300 and then 300 Border Patrol agents. That's it. And then we have Border Patrol agents in Arizona that are fighting a migrant, one for 17 minutes on camera, and a U.S. attorney that should be strung up and hung for treason who refuses to charge that illegal alien invader that could have killed a Border Patrol agent. But if that Border Patrol agent used lethal force to save his own life in the if that 17 minute fight that shouldn't last for 17 minutes, that would be every headline and he would be on trial, lose his job and go to jail. This whole charade, it's just what it is. It's disgusting. And those those nooses should be used for people who have committed treason. And, and that's mostly government officials. It's sick. Wow, that pisses me off. Yeah, there's been a lot of them. And, uh, you know, he just didn't have any answers, and, and we're not going to get any of them. Nope. So, I feel like I saw more than one person turn his back on him. Yeah, I mean, in the leaked audio that came from Breitbart News, uh, it, it clearly showed just about everybody until the chief that was with them, you know, ordered them to turn around, at which point they just started heckling both of them with negative comments. Mm-hmm. That, that's when he got into the whole, oh, don't make it about politics. They're like, what are you talking about? This is all political. There's laws. There's people. They won't let us do anything. Oh, yeah, you can't get all caught up in that. He's like, that's our fucking job. Our job is to get caught up in this. And here we are not getting caught up in it because of you and him. So fucking That's when they went into the whole, when did you go to the fucking Border Patrol Academy? And he's like, uh, uh, well, I was uh, honored to, to get this jacket. And uh, I was given uh, this jacket to wear because I'm a frail piece of shit. Yeah. <laughs> and that jacket is earned when you go through the academy. And so is that badge. And you're not a fucking agent. So take it off. That was, I'm paraphrasing now for the Border Patrol agent that let him have it a couple yeah. months ago when he came down here. Probably won't be going back to the Arizona sector out there in Tucson anytime soon. Unbelievable. It's yeah. just all lies. You well, know, I think he stopped visiting any of those locations anymore because it started in Yuma and it just snowballed, which is ironic because it was in Arizona. It was really hot. Yeah. But, yeah. AOC was definitely crying on the other side of the fence that day. <laughs> well... You know, there there is hope. Blake Masters, who's running to flip another Senate seat in the great state of Arizona, uh, told us on our Tuesday edition of Steak for Breakfast that he will in no way, shape, or form vote to fund the Department of Homeland Security or will even shut the government down if they do not start doing this stuff. So, yeah. And, and you want to know what? There's a lot of people in the House and Senate that are running on campaigns right now that are, that are pledging to do that. And, hey, if that's what it takes, that's what it takes. We're going to change it up right now with a very special guest. First time going to be joining us on the show today. He's looking to flip the entire U.S. Senate 
running an America First campaign, Trump endorsed in the great state of Georgia. Joining us for the first time, Mr. Herschel Walker is going to be jumping in right now. So his, his audio is getting ready to key up. All right, joining us first on the show today, he's got a lengthy resume, so bear with me. He played football at the University of Georgia where he won the Heisman. He excelled in a 15-year pro football career, was a 1992 Olympic bobsledder, undefeated MMA record. He's been an advocate for mental health and wellness, including doing a lot of joint stuff with the military. He was a Trump appointee to the President's Council on Sports, Fitness, and Nutrition. He's also an author, and he's currently running for Senate in the great state of Georgia. Mr. Herschel Walker, thanks for joining us today on Steak for Breakfast. Hey, thank you guys for having me on. God bless you guys. God bless you as well, sir. It's our pleasure to host you. How's everything going on the campaign trail? Things are going well. You know, we're getting out trying to meet the people, to get the people to see who we are and and to see what's going on in this state and get them comfortable with me being, being the senator. Yeah, it's uh, you would definitely be a refreshing breath of fresh air to the uh, MAGA base, to say the least, uh, come midterm election season now. I saw some great polls that came out this week that showed you had a commanding lead in the primaries and then quite a considerable one in the head-to-head matchup with the, uh, the incumbent, Raphael Warnock, in the general election. You want to talk a little bit about those poll numbers? Uh, yeah, you know, my poll numbers are very favorable in my favor, but one of the things I told my team, I said, guys, I want us to continue to campaign like we're 20 points down because right now, uh, you know, the poll numbers, who, who knows what if they're correct or not correct, but I said right now we want to come out, still get out there and do our job. We want the people of Georgia to know just what I stand for, what I'm behind. And, you know, they know about me playing football, but I want them to know about me and my business life. I want them to know about that I sit on a publicly traded board, that I know how to create jobs, that I know about this economy. I want them to know that I care about this country. So that's the reason I want us to continue to campaign like we're behind. Herschel, in addition to some of the things from the business sector that you're definitely bringing to the table here, what are some of the biggest pillars of your campaign platform currently? I think one of the biggest pillars there is, and it's pretty easy, like the left right now, you see that they've left Georgians behind, they left the brown and, 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 and black people behind because they forgot about this economy. And what I mean by that is they continue to talk about raising taxes. Right now they talk about raising taxes. That's going to do nothing but hurt small businesses like myself. That's going to do nothing but hurt the middle-income and lower-income families. And right now we see how the gas prices are. We see what's happening on the shelves with food, everything that's going up right now with the gas and with uh, milk and eggs. And I think that's really tough for a family that I grew up in in, in rural Georgia that's trying to afford to keep going. And you see what's going on in the schools. And they're really making themselves look bad. And I think these midterm elections is going to – I hope it's going to show favor – that people want to care about this country, and those are one that we need to vote for, people that care about this country, that care about doing the right thing, that the Georgians here in Georgia can get behind. Yeah, I definitely think that's a, a huge component there. Um, one of the big national issues that I think that uh, stays in the news cycle pretty consistently, which is, which is weird because a lot of stuff usually doesn't, is the crisis that's going on down on the southern border. Uh, we know every state's a border state now due to the fact that the Department of Homeland Security and the and the Biden administration have kind of just left it open for the last year and a half. You want to touch on how you feel that uh, when you get into the Senate, you're going to help uh, make our border safe and secure again? Well, that's one of the major things that I think we got to secure and for, for Georgia. And I don't know if Georgians know this. They're not a, uh, you know, not a, a border state in the sense that we're connected to the border, but 70% of the drugs coming into this country comes through Atlanta, Georgia. 
I think people need to be aware of that. Right now, we have a problem down at the southern border, and we can correct that problem. There's, there are rules on the books that can correct the problem, but we seem to be staying away from it, and that's what's sad. You, I remember a couple of months ago, almost every senator and congressman was down at the border complaining about the border, but nothing was done. I think that's the problem we have now in Washington. People complain and complain, but they never do anything. Right now, we got to start solving that problem. If we don't solve the problem at the border, we're going to have a major problem because we're letting people into this country that we haven't even vetted. We don't know who they are. I think we've seen how fentanyl has gotten so bad, how many people it has been killing and what it could do if it get into this country, and it's doing it. We have to stop it, and the way we stop it right now is the security border and recognize who we have in this country, and if they are not supposed to be in this country, we need to get them out. Yeah, that's an excellent point you make right there. I saw some of the uh, hearings yesterday on Capitol Hill with the head of the Department of Homeland Security. It didn't seem like he had any relevant answers for any of the questions that the House Republicans were going to uh, you know, send his way, in, in, in addition to uh, not being able to talk about how he thought about removing the over 1.2 million people who have already been set up in proceedings by federal judges. It's pretty sad to see the state of our uh, Homeland Security right now, and uh, we're looking to make some big changes after the midterm elections. Well, you know, one thing I think is sad is they've seen to have gotten about America. They've seen to have gotten about the Georgians. It seems like everything that passes seems to be against this country. I think that's what's sad. I think you got to first love your state you live in, then you got to love the country because you got to remember the people here are suffering as well. We continue to be a generous place where we want to help everybody, but let's help home first. Right now, we got to secure the border. We got to get our police, our men and women in blue, back out on the street where we can support them, not just financially, but have their backs. When mm-hmm. people are arrested, they got to be held accountable for their actions. They got to be held accountable for what they do. Crime has gone up, and, and it's sad. You know, the jobless market. And the, way, the reason there's a jobless market right now is because of all the regulations we have in this country. The, the federal government got to remove themselves from states' affairs and, and open up this country. Yeah, they certainly do, and get to get everybody back to work and making money again so they can take care of their families. That's a huge component right there uh, that you made a very good point on. Herschel, what are some of the biggest differences? I mean, we obviously know what they are. He's a radical progressive leftist. Between you and Raphael Warnock heading into this head-to-head matchup after the primaries. Well, you know, it's, it's the biggest difference. I think people can see it. Right now, he's voted almost 95% along with Biden. And voting with Biden, that meaning that we're not energy independent no more. People don't understand what that means. Well, let me tell you what that means. What that means is now we're not self-efficient for ourselves, which we can do for ourselves. Right now, we're depending on other countries to give us oil and gas, and yet they release almost 40% more carbon into the air than the United States of America does. So you're talking about the Green New Deal. The Green New Deal is we have one of the cleanest air and water countries in the world. We do environmental drilling better than anyone, but yet we're depending on other countries to do it for us. And then at the same time, we move so many of our jobs to other countries, but yet we have all the regulation and and things on these companies here that they have to move their jobs, which is sad. But if we remove some of the restriction of the regulation that we have, we can do those things right here in this country right here. And, you know, he talks about uh, all the different things with – with school, look at what's happening in our schools mm-hmm. today. You know, they're trying to control what they teach our kids. I think parents need to have control of what we teach our kids. And at the same time, I think we need to put money in the student and not the institution. I think that make a major part there. And then my stance on abortion. You know, he, uh, Ben, a Pat, 
being a pastor along as a senator, he believes in abortion. Well, I believe in life. I believe in life. So we have some differences that I uh, I like to hold him to, and he may have things he want to hold me to. But one thing that Herschel Walker loves America, you can't say that because I do. And I love the Constitution because I do. I love small taxes. I do. I love uh, little government. That's I think that's the way we got to live. Yeah, it makes a whole lot of sense there. You know, I, I think when you go down that laundry list of things right there, regardless of what happened in the 2020 presidential election, we know Georgia had a lot of issues with their electoral system, and hopefully that gets worked out after a runoff election and David Perzu get, gets uh, Brian Kemp out of there. But the fact of the matter is a lot of the things that Raphael Warnock uh, lines up with ideologically, in addition to his voting record, it doesn't seem to line up with the blue-collar men and women, the actual families, the, you know, the, the really re- religious people and wholesome people down there in, in, in Georgia. I think that's the biggest fact right there. Uh, it doesn't line up to the, to the people here in Georgia. And if you look at his voting record, it seemed to be voting like he's from another state. And he's been he's from Savannah, Georgia, but he seemed to not be voting like he's from this state. Well, one thing about it is, you know, I, I got out there and got my hands dirty. I created jobs. I know how to create jobs. I know about the economy. I know about school choice. I know about those things. And I've been out meeting the people because that's important to me. One of the things I decided to do when I decided to run is to try to get around to all these 159 counties, listen to what the people are saying, listen to the problems that they're having, because I think that is very, very important. Let's listen to the people some. Whether you're a Democrat or Republican, I represent us all. It's got nothing to do with what your party. It's got to do with you are you are you're someone I'm going to represent. That when I get to Washington, your issues are my issues, and I want to fight for those issues. Yeah, that's amazing. You know the importance of the state of Georgia and your Senate race. You literally have the opportunity to flip the power in the Senate back to the Republican side. You want to touch on that real quick, because we all know that Joe Biden's going to be the president for the next two years after the midterm elections. However, he would be able to only do very limited things. I don't see any bipartisanship legislation getting passive without with how awful he's been since day one. So you guys would basically be able to slow it down to where he's only getting anything done via executive order. How important is that to get this country started back on the right track as we head into the uh, 2024 presidential election? Well, this is very important. It's so important because one thing about it is we got to get back to America being first. They got to be the leaders. When America is a leader, everything is running right. I think one thing we got to remember is when one person wins, we all lose. But when this country wins, we all wins as well. You know, a rising tide floats all boats. And what that means by is when things are going good for the country, for the state, everybody's winning. Right now, this economy is terrible. And as this economy being terrible, they continue to make terrible policies that doesn't match up to getting people jobs. It doesn't match up to keeping people safe. It doesn't match up to the, the liberties and freedoms that a lot of our military servicemen has fought for. And that's another problem. Everyone always used the terms uh, peace through strength. But right now, we're not supporting our military. So if we don't support our military, how much strength will we have? And if we don't have strength, we're going to have no peace. And then they're talking about refunding the police, but yet the police got to trust you. Policemen got to trust you. Right now, from the things they've done over the last couple of years, they put the police as being the demons and our criminals as being heroes. Yeah. We can't do that. We got to get the streets right safe for moms and dads can walk out and be safe when they walk out with our kids. Yeah, that makes a whole lot of sense and uh, definitely something that we'd like to see. We back the blue on the steak for breakfast and uh, – 
definitely appreciate our men and women of law enforcement. We know they've been through a lot since going all the way back to 2017 in the last Obama administration. And, uh, you know, we hope moving forward that we can really start to repair that relationship to the community because having safe communities is just something we don't see across the country right now. We see it literally the opposite. Some of it's part, you know, in part to the immigration problem, but a lot of it's in part to radical district attorneys, mayors, and people like that who, who empower the criminals while, uh, you know, the, the families in America are affected by the crime that's spiked all over this country. Well, it starts at the top, and I think that's what, one thing we got to remember. Everything starts at the top, and it seems like right now, no matter what has happened, things seem to be getting worse. That is varying our dollar by spending money we don't have. They're not supporting our military. Everyone see what's happening in Afghanistan, and it continued to fall down from the top. And that's why we got to change it by getting the right people in office that's not afraid to speak out. They're not afraid to tell people, no, we can't keep spending money we don't have. Absolutely true, sir. Listen, I know you guys are super busy. The last thing I want to touch you on, it's something that our listenership asked that I ask you, uh, you know, one of the big issues, not really to do with politics, but just in general. You've known Donald Trump for a long time. You guys have a very special and, and strong relationship. Do you want to just give our listenership a little bit of insight on that relationship that you have with the 45th president of the United States? Well, yeah, people don't know, you know, President Trump and I have known each other since 1983. Yep. He was the first owner of a team that I played on, and we just didn't become team owner. We came, became friends. He ate at my house some. I ate at his home. You know, his two older kids at that time, they were very young, Donald Jr. and Ivanka. They went places with my family. They traveled with my family, so we have a very good relationship. And when he endorsed me, I was very, very thrilled to get his endorsement. But at the same time, I got a lot of other people endorsement as well because they know I'm the right man for the job. They know I'm going to work. They know I'm going to do what's right because I love America. And that's why he endorsed me, uh, President Trump, because he knows the type of man I am, that I'm going to get down, I'm going to get dirty, and do the right thing. And you don't even have to put football pads on to do it anymore. I think that's the best part, right? <laughs> yes. So, Herschel, this has been an absolute treat. You know, we're keeping a big eye on your campaign. We've been supporting you since, you know, Donald Trump gave you that endorsement and you decided to run. We're also tracking one of your great friends, Adam Lexalt, out in Nevada. You guys can give us a little bit more in the Senate. Also, Blake Masters in Arizona, who's running an amazing campaign there as well. We want to be able to direct our listenership to help you out in any way that we can. For the people that are the Georgians listening right now, get out and knock on doors for Herschel. But for the people listening nationally, Get in there and get some some money into that campaign so they can continue to fuel these amazing poll numbers that's going to get him over the finish line and beat Raphael Warnock in in, in November. So, Herschel, if you could give us maybe your social media or your campaign website, and we'll live link it in the show description today. Oh, I would love to, and thank you so much. And I want to tell everyone to go to teamherschel.com. Whatever they can give to contribute to my campaign, we're, we're more than welcome to become a part of Team Herschel. Also, if you have people that want to volunteer, anything they can get, as you were saying, get out and knock doors, whatever they can do. Here in Georgia, the early voting start May 2nd, which is right on the corner. And then the uh, election itself is May 24th. I'm going to win this primary, and I'm going to go in and beat Raphael Warnock. Herschel Walker will be the next senator for, the, for Georgia. And that's what I want the people to help me to do because I love this country. And let's come together. Let's unite this country back together. That sounds good to us. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the man who's looking to flip the power in the Senate in the battleground state of Georgia. Mr. Herschel Walker, thanks for joining us on Steak for Breakfast today. Hey, thank you, now. God bless you guys. Well, it was good sitting down with Herschel Walker for the first time. I think uh, I already got an email from his campaign staff. He had an enjoyable experience and nice. uh, promised to be back. What would you guys think? He was in a car driving while he was doing that, too. He was, yeah. 
Solid. Great guy. Great guy. I hope he wins. I hope he kicks ass. He, he'll, he'll be great. He'll be great for Georgia. He'll be, he'll be great for D.C. He'll be great for the country. And I didn't realize that him and Trump went back since 83. Yeah, that was definitely one thing that a couple people DM'd us about this week. And they said, like, hey, you know, I understand that, like, him and Donald Trump, they were in New York at a time together. And they're like, what's the dynamic there? Can you ask? I said, yeah, I'll ask. And they're like, oh, you got to ask, like, how he met Trump. And Donald Trump just happened to be, you know, the part owner of the professional football team that he started with before he went to the NFL. So it's pretty cool to hear that from the man himself, though. Uh, It wasn't cool to hear yesterday. Um, In addition to... Just when we thought we had enough, Alejandro Mayorkas, act two, and action. Um, The rise of the Ministry of Disinformation was teased yesterday. Probably a bad day for the press release. What is it actually called? We keep calling it different things. It's like... I had it it before. Um, It's the... Not the Ministry uh, of Truth? No. No. Where have I heard that before? Mm. It's the Disinformation Governance Board. That's right. Gotta love that. Wait, as opposed to the the disinformation government that we have right now? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's ironic. Meanwhile, so much stuff is surfacing about this, uh, what is it, Nina Jankowitz. Yep. I mean, all over the place. Uh, Jack Posobiec's been been lighting up Twitter with stuff. Uh, You know, in 2020, she's on a Zoom call saying that the executive back in 2020 saying that the executive branch shouldn't have the power to determine what is fake news. And now look, she was now heading this organization that they want the, the executive branch and the government to determine what is fake news. It's just unbelievable. She's just a, it's pretty funny that you mentioned in, that Alan, because I had it pulled for our preamble clip. Let's hear it. Imagine that, you know, with President Trump right now calling all of these news organizations that have uh, inconvenient for him stories that they that they're getting out there <laughs> that he's calling fake news and now lashing out at platforms. I would never want to see our executive branch have that sort of power. Um, and that's why, you know, the legislative process with our duly elected uh, officials is really important. That sort of consultative rulemaking process. Um, and we can't just govern by executive order anymore. I think I'll leave it there. Um, I think the reverberations in the free speech space are huge. Um, not to mention, this is exactly what Section 230 was designed to do to allow uh. the platforms to enforce uh, the standards on on their own spaces. Mm, um, so don't I think, th- that's not the know, way I read the it. The entire no. conversation is being obviously blown out of proportion for political reasons. Um, I'm super yeah. But in the in the more democratic countries, I'm thinking um, in particular of Poland. Poland has established Venezuela. this consultative <laughs> process with its Ministry of uh, Digitalization and Facebook um, because like the Trump administration, and I wouldn't that be ministry surprised word again. if the... Uh, uh, Law and Justice Party got this idea from the Trump administration. <laughs> they uh, they believe that there is anti-conservative bias on Facebook, even though there have been multiple studies that prove otherwise. Hmm. Uh, and they have this consultative process where they send someone from the Ministry of Digitalization to, to your discuss house to arrest with, you. Uh, Facebook's officers in Warsaw, all of the instances of uh, unfair content moderation, and some of them are being overturned um, through that political pressure. They have a tip line that people can kind of report when they think their content has been unjustly overturned. And the Trump administration has a similar thing. So it's providing a lot of fodder for anti-democratic um, online governance. And it's it's very, very scary. And I think this is really where Congress needs to step in. Um, 
I think we're, we're seeing cooperation ramp up on a number of yeah. levels. So I will be completely honest and say that my program at the Wilson Center is partially funded by Facebook. Oh, imagine that. Oh, look at that. Weird. Yeah, as a disinformation. They don't even need to hide it anymore. It's no. just like, you know what? You guys just believe whatever we say anyway. So this is what's happening. This is what's the truth. Don't listen to anybody else. You're wrong. So no, I'm assuming. Unless you're on our team, then you're right. I'm assuming you haven't heard um anything from this gal yet or mm. even of her no alan have you heard any of her greatest hits yet no uh, i i did hear one if it's the one i'm th- you're, you're I'm, her harry I'm potter band? that you might have they her, her her little tiktok that she did one of them don't spoil it for noah because tucky's gonna lead in on it but yes yeah. she wasn't a harry potter themed liberal progressive <laughs> band where like, she sang what? about people like elizabeth warren and hating Republicans. Um, she sounds like an even-keeled person that's definitely ready to take over and make sure everything's fair for everyone. You think? No. No, it's not. And uh, so the Disinformation Governance Board, it'll be headed by Nina. She wants, um, like I said earlier in the show, claim that Trump supporters would show up at the 2020 presidential election polls armed to intimidate Biden voters. Um, her wizard rock band is known as the Moaning Myrtles. Oh, God. Stop it. This isn't real. You're making this up, right? Uh, 100%. I'm, I'm looking at receipts right now. Back in 2020, she tweeted, back on the laptop from hell, apparently Biden notes that 50 former NATSEC officials and five former CIA heads believe that the laptop is fake and a Russian influence op. However, Trump will go on TV and say Russia, Russia, Russia. That's October 20th, 2020. She formerly worked as an advisor. You'll never believe where. To the Ukrainian government. Mm. I was just, yes, yes, called the yes, Fulbright, that I knew. Under a guise known as the Fulbright Clinton Fellowship. Oh. Yep. Yep. As a matter of fact, Raheem Kassan wrote about that. Just uh, him and Natalie Winters just put something out yesterday about that in uh, the National Pulse. It's I'm so, all so, these links are so fucking crazy. You can't tell it? people in normal conversation about them without looking like Charlie from It's Always Sunny. Yes. Like you can't. It's that fucking insane that if you literally point it out in succession, one through 10, you look like a fucking psychopath. It's unbelievable. She advised the Ukrainian government as recently. As 2016. Yep, and then jumped right into that think tank that was funded by Facebook to crush conservative voices heading into the 2020 or 2016 presidential election. How convenient! Let's all put our tinfoil hats on, boys, because you know we're, we're just conspiracy theorists. None of this is real. I have tinfoil of- underwear now. Well, you better get some tinfoil earplugs because once you hear this banger from her, you're going to probably want to kill yourself. Well, hold, on, hold on, hold on, hold on. When Elon Musk first uh. announced that he was buying Twitter, it was pretty obvious the Democratic Party would soon become unhinged. Who not just angry or annoyed in the way you're very used to, but instead legitimately terrified and hysterical. Imagine how you'd feel if an armed intruder broke into your home at three in the morning. You couldn't exactly know where things were going but you'd be dead certain that everything was at stake. That's how Democrats feel right now, because in fact, everything is at stake. Mm -hmm. Joe Biden cannot continue to control this country if you have free access to information. It's that simple. Biden certainly is not improving your life. He's not even trying to improve your life. 
So the best he can do is lie to you and demand that you believe it. Mm -hmm. But to do that, he needs to make certain that nobody else can talk, because if you were to hear the truth, you might not obey. How is Biden going to pull that off? It's not easy. Well, one option would be to get men with guns to tell you to shut up. <laughs> Perfect. Most Americans probably haven't thought of that because this isn't Africa or Eastern Europe. This is America. And we don't do things like that here and never have. Yet. More precisely, we haven't until now. Ah. But now Joe Biden is president and everything is different. So today, to herald the coming of the new Soviet America, the administration announced its own ministry of truth. This will be called the Disinformation Governance Board. Oh. Laugh if you want, but just to show you they're not kidding around here, this board is not part of the State Department or any other agency focused on foreign threats from abroad. Mm. No. The Disinformation Governance Board is part of the Department of Homeland Security. DHS is a law enforcement agency designed to police the United States and, and that, by the way, has a famously large stockpile of ammunition. So it's not a joke at all. Here's DHS Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas. We have just established a mis- and disinformation governance board in the Department of Homeland Security to more effectively um, combat uh, this threat, not only to election security, uh, but to our homeland security. Election oh, security? <laughs> so one of America's top law enforcement officers just announces to the Congress that actually we're going to be policing what you say, and everyone in the room kind of nods, oh yeah, it's totally normal. But here's what he didn't say. So America's told us that disinformation is a threat to Homeland Security. Now, he's the head of the Department of Homeland Security, so presumably he would know since assessing threats to Homeland Security is his job. But what he didn't tell us is how he's defining disinformation. So here you have this new and terrifying thing that the Biden administration is so concerned about that has created a new agency to fight it, but Mayorkas never said or even hinted as to what it might be. So the man in charge of the disinformation governing board never defined disinformation. It's almost unbelievable when you think about it. Would you declare war on a country you couldn't name? Would you sentence someone to death for a crime you couldn't describe? Of course you wouldn't, not if you were a sane and decent person. Because you can't have justice without precise definitions. That's why we have very large books of law that define what is allowed and what is not but they're not defining the core concept at the heart of what is effectively a new law enforcement agency. Maybe that's because Mayorkas doesn't want justice and neither is the president he serves. They want power. Yep. And to get power, they plan to control what you think. Watch Mayorkas explain. We have so many different efforts underway to equip local communities uh, to identify individuals who very well could be descending into violence uh, by reason of ideologies of hate, false narratives, or, or other um, disinformation and misinformation propagated on social media and other mm. platforms. Oh, did you know that? So one of our biggest law enforcement agencies has men with guns around the country doing so many things to stop disinformation and false narratives. Those aren't even lies. They're just deviations from the approved script. America's told us, again, that men with guns plan to, quote, identify individuals who could be descending into violence. Could be descending. Could be. That's pretty Not broad. Not people who committed violence or even been accused of any crime at all. DHS is instead using law enforcement powers to identify and punish people who think the wrong things. That would be opponents of the Biden administration. Is this dystopian fiction? No, it's happening right in front of us. 
That means that Joe Biden's partisan political enemies are now officially enemies of the state. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> How is this happening in America? Good question, but it is happening. And Biden's new thought cop in chief has been revealed. She's a 33-year-old, highly self-confident young woman called Nina Jankowitz. Jankowitz comes from a place called the Wilson Center. That's a nonprofit named for America's other mentally incapacitated warmonger bigot president. <laughs> Ironically, because everything I is irony, the, the Wilson Center is itself from, uh, a major producer of, yes, disinformation, but of the neocon variety, and for that reason is heavily funded by the Biden administration. Jankowitz is also, because everything is connected, a former advisor to the neoliberal government of Ukraine, the government we're shipping tens of billions of tax dollars to as our own economy swirls down the drain. So you really can't make any of this up. It's too grotesque. Would you believe a novel with this plot? No, you wouldn't. But it's happening. And that's the bad news. The good news is everyone involved in Joe Biden's new Ministry of Information is a buffoon. <laughs> they may be evil, but they're also ridiculous. Nina Jankowitz is the most ridiculous of all. So you read about her appointment in The Washington Post this morning, and you immediately thought of the NKVD, because why wouldn't you? Yet even the NKVD, even at the height of Stalin's purges, never did karaoke. They were too dignified for that. But Nina Jankowitz happily does. Here she is. Sorry, Noah. Information laundering is really quite ferocious. It's when a huckster takes some lies and makes them sound precocious by saying them in Congress or a mainstream outlet. So disinformation's origins are slightly less atrocious. It's how you hide a little, hide a little lie. It's how you hide a little, hide a little lie. It's how you hide a little, hide a little lie. When Rudy Giuliani shared bad intel from Ukraine, or when TikTok influencers say COVID can cause pain, they're laundering disinfo when we really should take note and not support their lies with our wallet, voice, or vote. Oh! Oh! This is the point of the show. We're going to say we're kidding. We're making all of this up. It's not really happening in the country you were born in, but it is happening. That's not. <sighs> I, I can't. I yep. mean, what in the actual fuck? I mean, come <laughs> on. I mean. <laughs> oh, we're there. That's where we're at right now. You know, it's. A, like if somebody was doing that oof. next to me in person and I had a fucking snow shovel in my hand, it would be like the cartoons were like the shape of Wiley Coyote's face. I would set it on fire so you could put it out with the shovel. I like. They want to. They, they, our government, they. They, they're they're this, just mocking us is, at this point. Yeah, it's like, this hey. This is them legislating morality. This is them that it's legislating morality. Like, you're not doing a background on these people to see, like, oh, what have you, what, what have you been up to? Uh, what are your hobbies? Oh, I like to uh, do idiotic karaoke and have a Harry Potter fucking-themed liberal band. And lie. And I like to lie. And I like li to take well, I lies. I love lying. That's, that's actually how you get the job. That is how you get the job. Maybe she lied about doing all these other things. Like, she lied about all this. And they're like, wow, that was a really good lie. You did some fucking stupid shit, and you lied about it. That was good. You're this in. Is you ready to lie about it plan. again? You ready for six figures? I hate everything that's going on right now. It's it's ridiculous. This, this is their big plan, the Ministry of Truth, because you know, they, they want to they remove objective truth from society. So well, and it's can... an arbitrary way of just going after people, too. Just like, yep. oh, you know, you might possibly be... An extremist, maybe. Yeah, so that's everybody. The, so we're all the people that got acquitted in the Gretchen Whitmer kidnapping case, fed napping case. Yeah, we said it first. 
So as this stuff leaked into the news media yesterday, I'm sure all the junior staffers up on Capitol Hill were quickly ushering some of this stuff into the eyes and ears of the people sitting up there. And while they had Department of Homeland Security head Alejandro Mayorkas behind the desk, leave it to Jim Jordan to jump in there first. He, he went after him with a whole bunch of disinformation of his own. Uh, yesterday, you announced the formation of Disinformation Governance Board at DHS. You put out a bulletin two months ago, big fancy bulletin here, red, white, and blue. You said that misleading narratives, mis and malinformation, mm. MDM, as you call it. Misleading narratives undermine the trust in government. I was just wondering, uh, when the head of the CDC, Ms. Walensky, said that the vaccinated can't get the virus, did that undermine trust in government? Um, when the highest paid official in our government, the smartest man on the planet, Dr. Fauci, when he said the virus didn't nah. come from a lab, did that undermine trust in government? And will that be something that this governing board will look at? How about, how about this one? How about when 51 former intel officials told us that the Hunter Biden story was had all the earmarks of Russian misinformation. Will that be something that this governance board that you just formed, will you be looking into that? Uh, uh, Congressman, um, the disinformation board uh, addresses a disinformation that imperils the safety um, uh, and security of our homeland. And one of the primary areas that we are focused on is the dissemination of disinformation and its potential connectivity. But that's not what your bulletin talked about. Uh, the talked gentleman's about time is expired. The gentleman's time has expired. The wit- I am permitting the witness to answer the question. But the gentleman can say nothing now. It's oh, witnesses. Uh, uh, know privilege to answer the gentleman's question. Yeah. And Continue it's, uh, your answer. And it's connectivity. You know wow. what? We're, we're only six months away from no more Jerry Nadler ever again. You think so? Well, he's not going to be at the head of his venue committees because they're going to overwhelmingly flip the house. True, true. Oh, yeah, yeah, I didn't, yeah. Hopefully, God willing. I mean, is this their way to do something to counter their their loss of control that that's happening over in in Twitterverse because they're not censoring conservatives right now? And you, you may you know, think that, but listen, if they're rolling something out publicly, that means they've been doing it behind the scenes for years. I mean, we found out on on January sixth they had like everybody's cell phone blocked and tracked and and were listening in on conversations and could see into like encrypted WhatsApp conversations and stuff like that. Right. So. This is just like maybe they thought somebody was going to leak it or maybe there was some bad blood between people in the the Department of Homeland Security and the top levels that just doesn't think that this is right because it's not and we're going to blow the whistle. Uh, Who knows? We might even see the whistle blown, you know, after this. But the fact of the matter is, is that white supremacy and the root causes of white nationalism and all the other bullshit – just has nothing to do with anything that's wrong in this country. If you would pull across the board, I guarantee overwhelmingly probably majority of the country says no. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just it's just not. And it's uh, another buzzword. It's another left left leftist talking point. It's, it's another buzzword. Whistle. They love dog whistles. Greg Stubbe weighed in on just that. He was up next. Let's hear him. That we just flushed out here. How many cases involving white supremacists and domestic terrorists? Have you referred to DOJ for prosecution? Oh, he likes data. Let me. Um, uh, it's let me, a simple. Let me, do you not have the number? It's a no, simple but, but number. You've made, you've made some profoundly inaccurate statements. Mm. No, I would like the opportunity. Is to that correct. misinformation? I, I'm specifically is, asking you a question. You you've then, you just you just clarified. Domestic terrorism is a threat to the homeland. Number one threat. And I'm asking you, how many referrals from Homeland Security have you made to DOJ? For white supremacy or domestic terrorism? 
Congressman, I will provide uh, you with that information. So you don't know? That means zero. I do not have. Do you, can statistic. you name one case? That statistic. Can you name uh, one case of a referral from DHS to Cong DOJ for domestic terrorism? Congressman, um, I will <laughs> provide the data to you. Um, and let I'm me asking just, you, you can't name one me, case. And let me just say. Okay, so you can't name one case yet. According to a new report from the U.S. Department of Justice, almost half of all the criminals prosecuted in federal courts in 2018 were aliens charged with crimes ranging from drug trafficking to murder and to kidnapping. And the vast majority, 38,000, were illegal immigrants, illegal aliens. But it's still domestic terrorism is the number one cause of, uh, of your concerns. Texas. Pretty good facts right there. I'm assuming yeah. that number is zero since if they would ever. And he should have said, listen, all of the FBI agents who acted as white nationalists and got caught <laughs> doing stuff like the Gretchen Whit Whitmer Fed napping case and, and, and the Fed surrection on January 6th, they don't count into your data. Yeah. Um, and it was just, you know, one of those things where, like Noah said, you can't believe we're living through this. This is absolutely ridiculous and, and, and probably their biggest projection yet. This is worse than some of their actual policies or international and domestic failures. So the way people are going to look back at history, I mean, if it's not completely rewritten by the time, you know, a couple decades go by, if this is going to be the biggest set of clown shoes ever. Ever. It is absolutely ridiculous. And I don't want to believe that this is the way it's always been. It's just now we live in such a technological age is that it's under a bigger microscope. No, it has always been like this. It has always been fucked and corrupt and, you know, not, it's not a game that's angled for the normal person. Mm -hmm. It's, it's for the global elite, top 1%, whatever you want to call them. And it's always been like that, but it's on a downturn now or a turn of, people being aware of it just simply because like what you said, they, they can't hide it anymore. There's no. too much information available at your fingertips. Like Joe Schmo, like even back in the early nineties, like when there was pagers and shit like that and you had like AOL dial up, like, yeah, information was there, but it's not the way it is right now where, you know, Hey fucking Alexa or Siri, like tell me what the fuck's going on. And it's like, well, you know, and you can get it from actual sources too, not just yeah. from the people who are telling you this is the only way. Yeah. I believe the spiciest one in our last clip of the Mayorkas hearings came from um, Representative Buck, who really laid the boom and made some extremely uh, controversial comments, which I'm in agreement with. I'm not going to lie to you. Good old Bucky. Gotta love him. Buck Turgidson. Yes. <laughs> Secretary Marcus, I was at an event this past weekend and a lady approached me and asked me if you felt any shame for what you've done to this country. Yeah. My question for you, Secretary Mayorkas, is very simple. Would you please answer that lady's question? Are you ashamed for what you've done to this country? Congressman, I have so much to say. You got a minute and 17 seconds to say it. Fucking say it then. To what you have just said, it is so profoundly offensive on so many different levels. Everything you've so done is offensive. so many different regards. I, I won't ask you for an apology. Don't. Uh, I, I won't. But let me, let me share with you just quite succinctly. Some data. I'm incredibly proud of my service to this country. <laughs> non-answers. 20 years of service in the civilian corps. 
as a federal prosecutor and as a member of the Department of Homeland Security. I am immensely proud to work alongside Shut the, the selfless, up. dedicated, and talented 250,000 personnel of the Department of Homeland Security who don't want to work service with you. Who all the American hate you. people to secure our homeland, to secure them, and to secure our values. That is my response. What do you say to the mothers of the children who have died from the fentanyl overdoses? What do you say to all the people out there who can't get an education because of what you've done with immigration in this country? You've secured the homeland. It's a farce. It's an absolute farce. I yield back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What, what do you think, Alan? How many of those Anything. freaking numbers of uh, people that work for DHS are proud to work with him? I'd imagine if you took a real poll amongst, you know, Homeland Security, the, the police force, uh, uh, Border Patrol, just you asked the uniformed personnel, not the leadership, not the bureaucratic bullshit leadership, you would get some interesting, colorful responses about what they thought about this fraud, lying piece of shit that is complicit in destroying our country with being part of the regime that he's part of. It is unbelievable. And how he just dances around and answers nothing. I won't ask you for an apology, Congressman. Good, because you don't deserve a fucking apology. You deserve a noose yeah. because you're a treasonous piece of shit. All he does is just stall for time. Well, that's it. But that and that's the game. Stall I'm for time. Not even until right. Until, until, until Jerry Nadler, the, the, the gentleman's time, the gentleman's that, time is uh, a lap. The gentleman's time is a lap. Exactly. The gentleman's time is a lap. I believe it's my turn. The gentleman will yield. The gentleman will yield, and then you have the the person. It's my turn to talk. It's my turn to talk. Scissor me timbers. Get Jerry Nadler sleeping up there with a submarine sandwich hanging out of his mouth, shitting himself in the chair. I actually, I actually lied. I did have one more. It was Andy Biggs. Oh. It was the Firebringer. Nice. Let's oh, get it. yeah. You would support amnesty of some kind. So you said that you would, that the border's closed and secure. Mm. You've, you've said today you're following every law. You, you understand, so many don't laws. you, that the law, Secure Fence Act of 2006, you're in total violation of that. Operational control. You don't have the border under operational control, do you? Section 2. What does it say? It says, in this section, operational control means the prevention of all unlawful entries in the U.S., including entries by terrorists, et cetera. You're not preventing entries. You're fomenting interesting entries. You're encouraging it. You're either accepting the Biden administration, and if that's the case, then you should be impeached. If you disagree with the Biden administration's program, you should re- resign. That's where we are. Mm. So, what do you think? Yeah. Think it's going to happen? Nope. 0%? 0% chance. Think he's going to get impeached after mm. the midterms? Maybe? No. No? No. No. Because there'll be some fuckery, and we'll still have fuckery in the Republican leadership, and nothing will happen because no one ever gets held accountable. And that is the failure of the weak, spineless Republican Party. And... And I hope and I pray that people like Joe Kent and and all of these other America first candidates, they all win and the establishment loses the majority within the party and the Kevin McCarthy's 
just go by the wayside and leadership changes. But I'm not, uh, I'm not optimistic just because of how seedy bullshit establishment politics work. Yeah. That's just my take on it. No, I, I, th- there are a lot of components of that that I agree with. You'll probably feel a lot more better and relieved after Jen Psaki soothes all of those concerns about the Ministry of Truth. Questions on the disinformation board. Sure. Um, yesterday you had told me that you were not familiar with Nina Jankowitz. I'm wondering if you're, you have more information on her today. Also, Secretary Mayorkas said that he was not familiar with statements that she had made surrounding the Hunter Biden laptop. And I'm just wondering oh, good. how how was she hired if you in the White House are not familiar with her, if Mayorkas is not familiar with her statements, what's the process for um, putting her into a, a position like this? Who's in charge of her? Well, hiring? let me give you a sense of who she is. Um, mm. She's an expert on online disinformation. She oh. was formerly in the Wilson Center's disinformation. She was formerly a disinformation fellow at the Wilson Center. She's testified before Congress it's as well as the United Kingdom and European parliaments, advised a Ukrainian foreign minister particularly relevant in this moment, under the auspices of a Fulbright Public Policy Fellowship and overseeing Russia and Belarus programs at the National Democratic Institute. Any hiring decisions are up to the Department of Homeland Security, but this is a person with extensive qualifications. What I will tell you about the um, board and what the board is doing, this is a continuation of work that began at the Department of Homeland Security in 2020 under former President Trump. Is it, though, I guess, can you describe what her job is going to be? Because there's been some um, TikToks that she has put out, um, and it, it seems like rather than you know calling balls and strikes on this you know story is She's false, just swallowing and this them. story mm-hmm. there's a truth on it. Um, one line stood out to me: uh, "They're laundering disinfo. We should really take note and not support their lies with our wallet, voice, or vote." Well, here's what the board is going to do, which I think of particular interest. Again, a continuation of the work of the former president. Hey, look, so another non-answer. Critical of it. I don't. I didn't hear them being critical of the work under the former president, which is just interesting to note contextually. Wait, what? But in the fact sheet that they put out, what they noted yesterday, what they noted in there is that this is meant to uh, one. The first bullet was about protecting privacy, civil rights, and civil liberties, and the, and first- the second bullet goes directly into your forehead if you don't agree with it. Yep. <clears throat> so she's. She's this Nina Jankowitz. She's the executive director of the Disinformation Governance Board, the Ministry of Tooth. Sounds spicy. I know, right? She, so she's 33 years old. She's been made the boss of the government's propaganda unit because that's basically what it is. Yes. And this is to this is to go after any type of fake news. So she'll be they'll be going after any kind of decentralized media. They'll be going after, you know, places like uh, Epic Times, Breitbart, probably maybe the Daily Wire, who, whoever. New is York big, Post. New York Post. And this is someone because I can't find it in her resume. She has little to know any journalistic experience. She just turned 33 a couple months ago. Well, listen, I'm not going to hold age against her. I'm not. I don't know what she's what she's but I'm looking at her experience. I mean, we have a 35 year old federal judge, a, a Trump appointed judge that lifted the mask mandate, said it was unconstitutional. And the Democrats went crazy because she's a 35 year old federal judge so i don't really care about her age but she's 33 by the way she looks like she's 45 and has a forehead like a movie screen she looks like a drive-in movie screen and a court jester collided and here comes nina jankowitz you know she she might take the mantle away from gretchen whitmer as a most human character that represents lord farquaad from shrek (laughs) in real life (laughs) 
but she's now she's now in charge of this unit about media and fake news. And what has she done journalistically out there? What has she done? What is this 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 fellow that she was? Hello, fellow. I mean, what 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 is she doing? What are they doing? Well, basically, somebody TikToks. dumped a bunch of money into some sort of organization, and then she became a fellow of it. Yeah, that's really all it takes. You know, she she also put out a song. I, I've only heard a snippet of it. You guys will probably see it on social media later. Um, I believe this was back in like 2019. It was kind of like a hip hop theme song talking about who she had to fuck to get rich. And she knows how the game is played. So I guess when Jen Psaki also. Well, I guess omit- she answered that question. Yeah. I guess she could have used that as a reference point. So didn't take long for word. I mean. From Alejandro Mayorkas and a statement from Jen Psaki to trickle on down to the great state of Florida. Where Big Dick Ron DeSantis was waiting for the Department of Misinformation. Gonna have I think to he's the... got a little dick. I'm pretty sure it's massive. Yeah, have you ever oh, seen his younger pictures, how handsome he was? Let's hear him talk about this and not how hot he is. have enough issues <laughs> to deal with. They now have an idea, and I honestly thought this was just a belated April Fool's joke. <laughs> but they are actually going to create, in the Department of Homeland Security, a Bureau of Disinformation. It's basically a ministry of truth. And what they want to do is they want to be able to put out false narratives without people being able to speak out and fight back. They want to be able to say things like Russia collusion and and perpetuate hoaxes and then have people like us be silenced. They want to be able to advocate for COVID lockdowns. They want to be able to advocate for school closures things that are not supported by the evidence, but then when you speak out, uh, they want to stifle dissent. And so we reject this bureau in the state of Florida. At least somebody's standing up for it. Mm-hmm. I like it. Yep. You know what else I like? Yeah. The fact that we're getting ready to sit down with uh, Joe Kent for the fifth time. He's coming in running probably the hottest house race in the entire country and was recently re-endorsed might even call it a booster by Donald Trump just as recent as yesterday. And he's getting ready to jump in with us right now, so let's let his audio key up. All right, jumping in next with us today, he's back again, one of the hottest U.S. House seats in the upcoming 2022 midterm elections, looking to represent Washington 3, one of our favorites. I think just about one of everybody's favorites. Mr. Joe Kent, thanks for coming back on Steak for Breakfast. Yeah, man, thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it. You know, it's it, it's not. I'm not contractually obligated to drop her name every episode, but I'm gonna have to tell you, Amanda Millius had some really nice things to say about you last time she was on our show. <laughs> she's a huge fan. Oh, that's good. She's been a big help, man. Amanda, Amanda's awesome. Yeah, she certainly is. We just got her gift of a picture, the plot against the president. It's up in the back of the studio right now. It looks great. And uh, yeah. yeah, she said you were absolutely killing it, and we know you are. Um, I think. Just to start things off, why don't you give our listenership a little update on the campaign trail? We know things have been heating up there, but good for you. And uh, let's catch everybody up to speed. Yeah, things are going really well. We just uh, closed out quarter one of 2022. We've been at it for about a year now, but this is quarter one of this year. And so we had our best fundraising uh, quarter yet came in well over half a million dollars. We're keeping most of it on hand. Uh, the incumbent is only outraising us be- thanks to corporate PAC money. She's still being backed by Kevin McCarthy. I'm sure we'll get into all that. Yes, we will. Uh, pretty much in, in every horrible corporate interest that's destroying our country, she's still being backed by. But despite all that, we're nipping right at her heels on uh, fundraising. We got 500 volunteers signed up. We're still leading in all of the independent polls that are being done. So 
you know, we're building momentum. We have a jungle primary to worry about. So there's some, you know, spoiler candidates here and there, a little bit of, uh, you know, backroom palace intrigue type of stuff going on. Um, but none of that's really uh, showing in the polls or affecting us. We're out knocking on doors every day. I'll be at my uh, fifth town hall of the week. Uh, that's kind of the pace that we're keeping, just trying to get in front of as many voters as we possibly can. So, yeah, I'm busy, but uh, we're, I think we're making a lot of progress. Yeah, you know, we had a bunch of guests on uh, our Tuesday edition of the show, Blake Masters, Jake Paquette, um, Claire Worth, and Mike Collins out of Georgia. They were all on with us, and I think every single one of them said, you know, it's the barnstorming season of the uh, primary races now where you're just almost 24 hours a day. If you're not on your phone doing something on social media, you're knocking on doors, you're at town halls, and um, your social media definitely reflects that. So uh, it's good to hear you know, those independent polls are keeping track with, with you. I remember last time you were on, you talked to our listenership about your the jungle primary, you kind of laid it all out for us. And uh, you yeah. also said there were some deals that, you know, aren't officially made, but it's kind of like, okay, when, when somebody who's clearly going to be, uh, you know, representing the ticket there starts to like pull ahead or, or consistently showing, you know, favorability in the polls, there might be some, you know, mergings and supportings it's still not happening up there, huh? Unfortunately, I mean, that's politics the way it goes. Yeah. I mean, because of our jungle primary system, for, for those who aren't familiar, I know you guys in California are because I think you do the same thing. Yep. We don't register by political party here. So everybody goes into the same mixer bowl for the primary. And then the top two vote getters, regardless of party, move on to the general. So the threat that we all recognized in trying to take out a almost 12 year incumbent was that the Republicans, the America First movement, we could really divide our votes. And then the establishment would rely on 12 years of name recognition, millions of dollars coming from corporate PACs to flood the zone with ads. And the next thing you know, the Republican, our, our America First vote is divided, the incumbent moves on to the general, and then we're back into this hostage situation where it's like, do you vote for a horrible rhino or do you vote for a far left progressive Democrat? And that's what the establishment and Jamie Herr Butler are counting on. So when I first got into the race and a few others did as well, we all privately and then publicly at the uh, a, a candidate forum all made the promise that whoever Trump endorsed, the rest of us would drop out and rally behind for that very reason. We wanted a United America First movement. Every single county in our district, their GOP Central Committee, except for one, our smallest county, censured or demarched Jamie Hura Butler formally. So there was a lot of unity initially. We made that promise in an effort to consolidate. I got the Trump endorsement. I was honored to get the Trump endorsement. But had I not gotten the Trump endorsement, I sure wouldn't be talking to you guys right now because the last thing I would do is, number one, break my promise that I make, especially in public. I have to you know, set a good example for my kids. I believe that. Sure. But also, I would not do Kevin McCarthy and this worthless GOP establishment the favor of dividing the vote. Unfortunately, there's one one guy, I'll give him a good shout out, Wadi Yakor. He's a fellow veteran. He served in the Trump administration. Immediately after President Trump endorsed me, he, he he dropped out like he said he would, man of his word. Unfortunately, one of the other ones, she decided that she was going to stay in and spend the vast majority of her war chest just attacking me, uh, spends very little time attacking the incumbent. But hey, it's politics. It's the way it is. It's uh, it's something we have to be concerned with just because of the jungle primary. But we're still pulling pulling way ahead. A lot of folks are saying that she's just in this for her own personal gain. Um, but this is the establishment's one hope is to divide us. Yeah, it makes a whole lot of sense there when you talk about, you know, the establishment tricks and all the stuff that the K Street Mafia likes to pull in these uh, house races that we're seeing a lot more of. I think it's pretty interesting. You know, growing up, I've always been a fan of politics. You know, you see all the politicians up on Capitol Hill on TV, whether it be C-SPAN or, or, or other aspects of legacy media. You see them in print. You know, they'll do the talk shows at night. You never saw the country so involved in so many of these races. You know, everything from... Governors and senators, House representatives, all the way down to like mayors and land surveyors. 
uh, you know, vying for either Trump's endorsement or fighting in these big, like, nationally run races where people who aren't even elected to office yet are regularly appearing on TV, getting their word out. And, and I think it's really good for politics to make everybody a little bit more aware of this. But like you said, some of the dirty tricks and stuff that has gone on inside of the establishment GOP can really, you know, kind of hurt a campaign. Unfortunately for you, it's been awesome in the polls. And that's what I want to touch on real quick before we get into some of the issues. Congratulations on that full and total endorsement from the 45th president of the United States. How was that experience for you to finally get the, uh, the nod, maybe the phone call? Yeah, when I, when I initially got it in uh, September, he actually gave me a call right before the Afghanistan debacle unfolded. And then a couple hours after that, I think about 12 hours later, Afghanistan imploded. And so we, we talked and Trump said that he was going to sit on the endorsement until things calmed down a little bit just to not um, divert from the, the tragedy that was unfolding. So the 1st of September, Trump officially endorsed me, which was awesome. It was a great honor. You know, uh, Trump's an uh, unpredictable guy. I, I felt pretty confident about getting his endorsement because he you know, he had offered me a job in a second Trump administration. I worked on the campaign. He laid it out really clearly when I asked him about a year ago. Hey, how do I how do I how do I earn your endorsement? He's like, look, I trust you. I like you. I just need to see that you can pull ahead in the polls. You can fundraise on your own. You can make a splash in the media and enlist people in your district. And I said, OK, well, that sounds easy enough. Let's just go work as hard as we can. And so we've had a long runway because we need that to take out an incumbent. So pretty much all last spring and summer, we just we just really grinded away at it, doing events like it, like it, we were in barnstorming season a year ago. Um, and that's what got us the Trump uh, endorsement, really. And then Trump just went and gave me uh, what he calls the Trump booster. He, he did a second endorsement here just recently where he said, hey, Joe still got my my full and total endorsement, um, encouraged everybody else in the race to drop out and consolidate. So it's always a good day when President Trump calls you out of the blue and says he's sending you a uh, a note and that he's watching the race. So it's it's pretty awesome. He's very involved. I mean, President Trump, again, the guy doesn't sleep. He know He knows exactly what's going on throughout the entire country. I mean, he'll He'll occasionally call me up and ask me some detail about my district or my race, and it's uh, it's pretty amazing that he's uh, he's paying attention to everything at that level. Yeah, it's great to hear and just confirm some of the stuff that we've heard. Um, at you least, know, at with, least he knows what's going going on. Yeah. Oh yeah. Because <laughs> because I know that inner circle around him definitely keeps him uh, protected well. But when he gets, you know, like you said, you, you get into the phone calls and he's trying to get into the nitty gritty of some, you know, obscure campaign, uh, you know, item. It it shows good. The interest is there and. Obviously, he had some things planned out for you. And listen, if it parlays into you winning a House seat and representing Washington 3 and the rest of the country up on Capitol Hill after the midterm elections, and I'm all in for that one, to say the least. I think a lot of our listenership is in the same uh, with that as well. Let's talk about some of the issues. There's There's been some really good stuff coming out of Capitol Hill this week up in the Beltway, what we saw. Uh, it's that time of the year. It's like the uh, cabinet members barnstorming season where they have to go sit in front of yeah. all the committees and get absolutely destroyed by all our senators and uh, House representatives on the Republican side. Uh, one of the ones I started with yesterday was uh, Tony Blinken was up on Capitol Hill asking for, you know, $33 billion for the Ukraine. In addition to a lot of the rhetoric that's coming out, that's moving us closer to a physical U.S. versus Russia war instead of the proxy war that we're kind of running in the country now. Uh, what's your take on that whole thing? I've heard you give some really good ones on the news, but I kind of want to get it to our listenership right now. Yeah, I mean, o- overall, what's happening in Russia and Ukraine, obviously, it's a tragedy. There's no vital U.S. national security interest. That's just the bottom line. This is a border dispute. This is a brutal civil war, essentially, between Slavic cousins. We don't have a role here. Unfortunately, Vladimir Putin, he did go and attack a sovereign nation. That's wrong. But what we should be doing is using the full scope of our power to bring about a ceasefire, leaning heavily on the Europeans, 
what people really need to realize, and I, I think most Americans do realize this, is that this never would have happened under President Trump. And a lot of that, yeah, it's the Trump bravado. It's the way he presents himself. However, Trump understood that we had to be strong here at home. Just 14 months ago, everybody feels this when they go that when they go to the grocery store to fill up their cars. We are not just energy independent. We are a net exporter of energy. If you look at the, if you track the commodity market, every single time that the Russians and the Middle East are flush with a high price in oil and commodities, the world becomes very, very, it becomes a very dangerous place. Mm -hmm. The last time Putin took action in Ukraine and seized Crimea, it was 2014. We had horrible energy policies under the Obama administration. When Trump came to power, the first thing he did was he got our domestic house in order. He tried to, the best that he could. He got us energy independent, net exporter. That took, took money out of the pocket of Vladimir Putin. He also said, hey, I will use peace through strength. I will use military force to take out people like the Iranian terrorist Qasem Soleimani to decimate the Islamic Caliphate in 18 months when Obama said it was going to be a, a generational struggle. And then he went to the Europeans and said, don't come crying to me about Russia and about how much money you need for NATO when you're buying oil from them. He prevented that pipeline, the Norad Stream 2 pipeline from being built. And he was also, we are sending natural gas over to Poland and to some of these other European countries. And that's a direct threat and a direct assault really on the bottom line of Vladimir Putin. So when Putin sat across the table from Trump, he knew that Trump meant business because Trump would use force, but he wasn't a sucker like Bush or Obama right. that was going to get us into foolish, endless wars. But also he was going after his bottom line and that kept the world in a much safer place. But I mean, Biden right now has the, I, I like to say Biden operates at the confluence of like hubris and incompetence. So like these people are, they're so full of themselves and these failed neoliberal ideas that they think that they can just continue to push NATO up onto the border of Russia and there'll be no consequence. And if there is, so be it, that will distract from all the domestic failures. They were able to, in their own minds, memory hole what happened in Afghanistan. Um, but then also these people seem to not understand that, look, this isn't a third world country. This isn't Saddam Hussein or Muammar Gaddafi anymore that we're saber rattling a war with. We are potentially getting into a nuclear conflict with Russia, because what have we done? We've spent billions of dollars on giving lethal aid to the Ukrainians. At some point, the Russians will see that as a direct attack. We're providing targeting data, intelligence to go kill Russian soldiers. And then also economically, and this is one of the biggest mistakes that we've made, we kicked Russia off the SWIFT system. Yep. We seized money. We took them away from being able to deal with the dollar because we were pretending like we still had a strong economy. Our economy is hollowed out. We have a massive trade deficit. There's no base to our economy because we shipped it overseas because of people like Joe Biden and the uniparty. And so Russia just quickly aligned with China. The Europeans continued to buy Russian oil. And so now we really ha have no diplomatic tools, no economic tools left to throw at the Russians. And we're forcing this consolidation of the Eurasian economy, the Chinese Communist Party. They're the biggest benefactors to all of this because they're they're creating a parallel system uh, with SWIFT. And then also they're positioning themselves to make the yuan, the Chinese currency, the prime reserve currency holder. If we lose our prime reserve currency holder status, we're done. And right now we're relying on China, not just for all of our manufacturing lines, we're relying on them to buy our debt bonds. And China, and this is, China is also going after the petrodollar because the Saudis and all the Gulf states are mad at us because Biden foolishly is letting the Iranians back into the Iran deal. The Russians are helping broker that deal. Yep. And so now you have the Saudis saying that they will accept yuan or gold for petro. That's the death of the petrodollar. So really, I, I mean, we either, if we continue to operate this way, which I think we are, because we just authorized 33 billion more dollars to go exacerbate this war further, 
We're looking at potentially getting into a shooting war with the Russians. That's World War III. Or the Chinese will just simply take down the dollar and our economy potentially at that point, I, I think, would collapse. So I, I just don't see we, we just don't have any sane leadership, sane or competent leadership right now. And our elected officials are not being honest with us. Like no. we continue to slide towards war. There's no congressman. There's no senator back in their district right now saying, guys, you need to be aware of this. Uh, are, are, do you guys approve of me authorizing these weapons going to exacerbate this war further? Here's what the stakes are. No, they're not explaining any of that to us. They're just lying to us and sending our money overseas. It's it's just, it's incredibly dangerous and disrespectful. Yeah, a lot of points you made there. I want to touch on them a little bit and kind of develop them a little bit for our listenership because that's so much good material you just gave there, Joe. It's, you know, those weapons, it it was confirmed this week through the Pentagon and the Department of Defense that they don't really have any tracking for those weapons and monetary funds that are going over Ukraine once they're kind of in country. Uh, That could be alarming to say the least. I did the math. With the $33 billion that Joe Biden asked for this week, we would be at 12.25 border walls worth of money that have gone over to Ukraine in the last 60 days. (laughs) Which is, which just Same. completely, yeah. It, we could have made it taller. More than 10 feet. A lot feet. taller. <laughs> That's taller, yeah. You know, you talked about getting into some kind of a shooting war, which would which would definitely be World War III and, and would probably in, involve China, which we have pushed Russia so snugly into the arms with. Uh, you know, all this stuff we've done to Russia, who has rebounded in their economy so well that they're now dictating who they send oil and natural gas to. I believe Poland and and Bulgaria this week were both told by Russia they're not going to be getting it from them anymore because they're making enough money and their currency has bounced back since all of the sanctions have been put on everybody. So for every oligarch's yacht we've seized internationally, it seems that like the Russian economy is doing just fine. In addition to that, they're they're very self-productive in making their own food and they have a ton of gold in uh, reserves that they're going to be okay if we tried to do anything else to them. You mentioned that that piece through strength. We're definitely not seeing now. We're, we're trying to do war through stupidity. Uh, you know, Donald Trump's version of the Reagan doctrine was what he did to the Islamic State. Uh, like you said, and, and people used to tell Ronald Reagan, the Cold War with Russia was going to last forever and be generational. They told him the same thing in fighting ISIS and the Islamic State. Donald Trump got it done in 18 months. It led to the Abraham Accords, which kind of unified a lot of the Gulf states that didn't you know, necessarily work well with each other at the time. And you see that all falling apart now. Now they're working with each other against us after we just did unified a lot of the ones that had, did not have normal relations for decades under the Trump administration. And and you see now, and even like a proxy sable rattling move, NATO is still trying to expand up into like Finland, Sweden, and those states up there. It's, it's not going to go well for them uh, if they think that that's the solution to, uh, you know, minimize Putin. I mean, it's insane. Like NATO, I mean, after the USSR fell, what was the purpose of NATO? Really, the the whole doctrine that we followed in the Cold War was really twofold, that we had to be strong Mm -hmm. domestically. And after the Cold War, there was this whole idea that that was the end of history. And so somehow we convinced ourselves we didn't need to have a strong independent economy. And that's where the globalists, the Uniparty said, let's ship all of our manufacturing overseas to China. Let's run completely on debt and the fact that we're the prime reserve currency holder. We separated our national security from our economy, but we also, we took the one thing that prevented a hot war during the uh, during the actual Cold War, and we took NATO and we kept expanding it further to the east, right up onto Russia's border. The guys that wrote the containment doctrine, George Cannon, these guys, really smart guys, 
They said, don't expand NATO into Russia's backyard. It's provoking a conflict. I mean, if the shoe was on the other foot, if Russia was expanding into our hemisphere like they did during the Cuban Missile Crisis, we would take pretty decisive action against that. However, back then, I think we had more competent people that when the Russians got close to our border, we took a really concerted effort to move towards diplomacy. And right now, I don't see any moves towards diplomacy whatsoever. It's just nonstop saber rattling. It's absolutely crazy. So for us to pretend like Putin is just, he woke up one day and he's like, you know what? I, I'm, I'm going into Ukraine because I just have a blood vendetta with the Ukrainians. No, we have been, we uh, conducted a soft coup there to some degree. People yes. argue about what degree we influenced the Maidan revolution, but even the one before that in 2000, we've been doing these uh, gradual expansions of you know, air quotes, democracy to go save freedom loving people again, air quotes. I mean, look, there's freedom loving people everywhere throughout the entire world. I think every human soul is freedom loving. That doesn't mean America needs to go liberate them everywhere. I think the last 20 years of liberating people in the Middle East should show us very clearly that that doesn't work. But we, we continue to push right up on the NATO's border. And for us to think that that's not going to have an effect on Putin's decision making. And then now, again, just a total lack of uh, trying to move towards the negotiating table. You have very uh, powerful people in the United States advocating for regime change, which yep. is very dangerous, calling Putin a war criminal. And maybe as has Putin, have his soldiers done some war crimes? Yeah, probably. But when you start calling a leader of a country a war criminal, he's going to think, OK, who are the last guys America called war criminals? Well, that's Saddam. That's Gaddafi. How did it end for them? So we're putting his back up against the wall and he has nuclear weapons. It's just it's it's absolute insanity separating from our from our uh, our national security from our economy. And then continuing to provoke Russia. And again, for what? What's the national security interest? China is the world's biggest threat right now. It's the biggest threat to us. And all we're doing is pushing Russia and China together. Yeah, China must be really loving it. I, well, we all know that they're loving what's going on right now. And they're just kind of sitting back. They don't even really have their foot off the gas pedal. And they're going to continue to, uh, you know, manipulate the system and manipulate the currencies and, and bring us more in debt. You know, we talk about all the time how the U.S. relies on China for over half a trillion dollars in goods every year and you know all the chinese people who infiltrate the colleges and the business sector and stuff like that with visas it's just it's really ridiculous that it seems like there isn't a fire in this world that's lit right now that joe biden and this administration hasn't poured gas on since he took yeah. office the, the the next one i want to talk to you about and was even better than tony blinken getting beat up yesterday on capitol hill figuratively of course w was more of a physical beatdown, and that was to alejandro mayorkas the head of the department of homeland security at such a time where we've seen probably since the start of the Biden administration, if you include getaways, four million people illegally enter the United States and just be lost in the wind. Um, they decided to open up this new branch. You know, we've talked about it on the show, the Department of Truth or whatever it's going to be called, headed by some radical progressive. <laughs> the Ministry of Truth. Yes. The Ministry of Truth. And, yes. uh, you, you know, someone who has, has been completely off the rails, uh, doxing people online for years and working with places like the New York Times and the Washington Post. She's been in like a Harry Potter themed band mm. who sings songs about radical progressive liberal stuff. Yeah, you can't make this this crap up, Joe. It, it, it's absolutely ridiculous. But getting back to the point of the matter, the southern border, it is so crazy. You know, people talk about Kamala Harris and Joe Biden getting impeached. And we all know how leadership in the Republican Party feels about that. But you actually had sitting members of Congress yesterday telling Alejandro Mayorkas, who's a cabinet member, head of Homeland Security, to his face that they think he is a traitor to this country and they can't wait till they take back the House and the Senate so they can impeach him and file articles of impeachment on day one. And they made it clear it's not for high crimes. It's not for misdemeanors. It's because your actions and the way you act in just the face of all these laws that you don't enforce – 
is considered treason to this country. I've never heard anything like that before. You know, you hear people go on talk shows who aren't in politics and pontificate about that stuff, but you saw sitting members of Congress doing it yesterday. How do you? How does that feel, you know, knowing that you're heading there after the midterm elections and that's the political climate right now in regards to the Department of Homeland Security and a cabinet member? It, it kind of got me fired up. I listened to, I believe it was Representative uh, Higgins from Louisiana that oh. really tore into... Uh, Myarchus and said that, hey, we're going to impeach you. And basically, what honor do you have as a man to not accept failure um, with all, <laughs> with all the evidence that's been presented? It was it was a brilliant takedown. I'd encourage people to go listen to it. But it really got me fired up because he was saying, like you said, what usually you don't hear from representatives. You usually hear like on podcasts or mm-hmm. in a talk show where someone's like, we should impeach all these cabinet heads. But he basically said, like, if we're in the majority next year, we are impeaching you. So you might as well resign now. And that's exactly the way that we should be thinking, acting, and talking. So. It got me pretty fired up. I mean, like everybody can see right now what's happening on our southern border. I think that's Article One for Biden's impeachment. Yep. But yeah, of course, we're going to go after his DHS secretary as well. And as far as this disinformation, what's it called? The Ministry of Truth. I believe we're calling it. It technically is called the Ministry or not the Ministry, the Department of Disinformation or Combating Disinformation or something like that, which yeah. is a very specific term. Disinformation is like a, it, it's almost a military doctrinal term that they use in psychological operations. So it's very clear what they're doing and we need to say, Hey, as long as that thing exists, we won't fund one penny for DHS. Sorry. Shut it all down until, until you guys get rid of her and get rid of that position. We're not funding you period. End of story. Yeah. There's already Republicans up on Capitol Hill are talking about uh, defunding the department before it even gets off the ground. The scary part is, and what a lot of our listenership really needs to accept, Joe, you know, this, you worked in intelligence, you were in the military for a long time. You know how the game is played. This is going public because they have used it for a long time and it's gotten so big that before somebody leaks that this is legitimately going on, they put a figurehead at the top of it and they say, Oh, this is something that we're going to be slowly rolling out to just make sure that, you know, we don't have all this bad stuff. This is the lady who went around on social media in 2020 and said, Trump supporters were going to take their personal use weapons to the polls to intimidate Biden voters. And she sang songs about Rudy Giuliani. She completely crapped on the Hunter Biden lap. Everything that's turned out to be true, this lady has gone on social media and sang about for like the last five years and and said it was all lies. It wasn't that long ago that Jen Psaki was bragging about the relationship that they had with Facebook and other social media platforms to combat disinformation. The second that Elon Musk starts this this hostile takeover of Twitter, we're seeing, I mean, I gained a bunch of followers. I finally got my blue check approved. But it, it seems like there's a lot of people that are panicking and they're undoing a lot of what was done with shadow banning, with targeting specific individuals before Elon Musk can get in there and really turn the lights on and say, oh my God, I can't believe this is what's happening. They seem to be in full panic. So I think you're I think you're exactly right. This has been done uh, clandestinely kind of behind the scenes. And now they're just going to roll it all out and say, well, of course, this is to combat disinformation. Don't you want to combat disinformation? You know, what are you some are you some kind of a Russian stooge that you don't want to combat disinformation? Um, Because I think this has been happening in the private sector via big tech, this great merger between big tech and the administrative state and the far left that we saw with, you know, Russia Gate. We saw with January 6th. Uh, teachers, or I'm sorry, the uh, parents getting targeted at yeah. the uh, school board meeting. So, yeah, there, there's a there's a lot to unpack there. But I think we've we've just really started to shed some light on uh, the games that are being played. Yeah, and it's time to punch back. And I think we will after the midterm elections. It's just amazing how many people were like, like when you make a reference to 1984 and the Ministry of Truth, like the George Orwell. It's like they'd be like, no, that's crazy to think that it's like that. And it's like, mm, no, it's trending number two on Twitter getting right there. now. Now, yeah. now our yeah. government is going to fund the disinformation governance board, and 
led by this twit who still sells, tries to sell the the ridiculous lie that the Hunter Biden laptop is a product of the Trump campaign. Yeah, Perfect. I mean, it's insanity. It sure is. And, you know, Joe, you mentioned that Facebook money. The last D.C. think tank that this uh, that uh, Nina Jenkowitz worked for was funded by Facebook and it was to combat online disinformation. Oh, Imagine that. Weird. So, of course. So she probably had <laughs> proxy course. ties to Twitter as well. The last thing I want to get with you, Joe, because I know you're super busy and, and, and you're going to be probably hitting the trail just as soon as you get off the phone with us is the big story that's broke over the last week regarding Kevin McCarthy. Now, you've been friends with our show for for over a year now. You know, since your campaign started out, we've been trying to get in touch with you. We've had you on the show now five times. And um, we have been since our garage days, literally, our garage band podcast days against Kevin McCarthy and Mitch McConnell for leadership in the Senate. You know, the narrative in the, in the legacy media and in the MAGA community kind of goes back and forth. It's either, oh, you got to live with him because he raised $104 million in just three quarters this year, all the way up to, oh, he's so connected, nobody wants to deal with the alternative of challenging him for Speaker of the House and, and losing. But now, with, with, with the uh, release of the secret tapes from the New York Times via Liz Cheney, and friends, we're finding out that Kevin McCarthy is one of those people who talks MAGA on television, talks MAGA on phone to Donald Trump, and then goes behind closed doors with everybody that hates Donald Trump and works directly with them extremely cohesively. How does that uh, make you feel now? You know, you've been against Kevin McCarthy as far as the leadership position goes, and now you have some kind of vindication there of stuff you may have already known. But moving forward, what do you think is going to happen as we start to go down this road? Well, I'm really encouraged to see uh, a lot of folks who, who had kind of been on the fence, like you said, quiet about McCarthy, like he raises a bunch of money. Him and Trump seem to have like some kind of a working truce relationship. Uh, I'm glad to see a lot of them are like, wow, this the, the, the uh, tapes that were released are completely and totally egregious. I think one of the most significant things, not just him, you know, conspiring with Liz Cheney um, about, hey, maybe we can get Trump to resign. But when he was saying that he actually was hoping that the, the technocrats that took Trump off social media, that they would go after other members of Congress. I believe he was talking about Matt Gates and Marjorie yep. Taylor Greene. Like, that is absolutely crazy. So does that mean Kevin McCarthy, is he going to occasionally, I don't know, maybe work with the the Ministry of Truth, with these, these combaters of disinformation whenever somebody in his caucus speaks out? That sounds like that's where his head was right after that. My big issue with McCarthy and these establishment types is that they've never been for the America first movement. They know that President Trump is very uh, powerful and popular right now. So like they'll speak MAGA out of one side of their mouth, but really they'll fund half the impeachment voters. Kevin McCarthy is funding Jamie Herrera Butler at the time, like right after impeachment for the first couple quarters, he was supporting five of the 10. A, a couple of them have dropped out since then, but he's still spending a lot of money supporting Jamie Herrera Butler. He's paying for a, uh, a tracker for one of his packs to come out and come to all of my events and videotape every word I say. We welcome him. We fundraise off of him, but that just shows you what, what they're going through. The thing is right now, we're, we're on the forefront of the civil war for the heart and soul of the G. People like Kevin McCarthy, they want to be able to win with bland Republicans that won't fight with rhinos. They want to be able to win that way so they can say, hey, look, this whole Trump thing, America first, that was just like a flash in the pan because Trump was really good at the media. What we need to do is get back to our bread and butter of just like kind of cutting people's taxes every now and again and then complaining about what the Democrats are doing, because that's really the entire Republican platform. Make the donors happy uh, and then cut some taxes, maybe, 
and they can keep the donors very, very happy with keeping our job shipped overseas, with keeping us involved in endless wars and keeping our border wide open. Trump was an assault to all of that. And the Trump movement is an assault to all that. So it, it's it's an assault on the corporate donor class. So I think we have to get really comfortable with, hey, that whatever $1.4 million that Kevin McCarthy raised in you know a short amount of time from Wall Street and from the military industrial complex, these are the people that are destroying our country. And they're supporting Kevin McCarthy for a very specific reason. And so this is, this is he put himself out there he was videotaped. It's all on record right now. Let's not let him walk it back and let's go in there with America first fighters. Let's elect an actual speaker that is going to help us fight for that agenda. Because if we allow someone like Kevin McCarthy to come back from this and to continue to be on leadership, yeah. we, are, we are just selling out anybody who's going to give us $1 or one vote going forward. So we have to come out really strongly against Kevin McCarthy. Yeah, there was, you know, I've talked to some real insiders over the last couple of days uh, that are connected directly to some of the people that we've mentioned on this show. And uh, they're really starting to get behind closed doors behind Jim Jordan, uh, which would look like him outwardly. And then kind of a committee or a caucus behind him, kind of a, a group of people running the speaker of the house, because I think that's what it takes, you know, when you're only just one person. And I understand what the whole thing is in DC with the establishment to make big money like Kevin McCarthy does, you can't get behind America First agenda because when you hit your wagon to the nationalist populist movement, you're called a racist, misogynist, xenophobic, all those things. Mm -hmm. And then you can't go to people and say like, hey, give me the money you gave me last year. Yeah, but CNN's saying you're racist every day on TV and, and you know, you hate all these people. And it just, it comes directly out of your wallet. Unfortunately, people who get sent to Washington, D.C., they don't do what they're supposed to do anymore. So they get into that thing with, well, I'll walk the fine line in the gray area in between and we'll see how far it gets us. I'm thinking that this is the start of the end of the road for Kevin McCarthy. I could only hope. Yeah. And uh, the more people we get in in this movement right now, a lot of these Trump endorsed candidates, all, everybody who's, you know, trying to pull the line for the America First agenda will have success in there. And, uh, you know, you get a 70, 80 people together in the House of Representatives, regardless of how big the majority is going to be, it's going to give them a real hard time to get over the finish line with the speaker gavel because at some point Donald Trump will get involved. Absolutely. I, I couldn't agree more. And, and I think we just have to have someone that's going to actually fight for our agenda. I mean, McCarthy, at the end of the day, he's elected just like the other 435 members of Congress. To think that these people have some form of actual, like, real power, it comes down to dollars. And we can directly affect that by donating small individual amounts to individual candidates. I mean, that's really how Trump broke through the GOP establishment back in 2016. And we can start doing that at small levels. So I encourage people all the time, like, don't give a penny to the GOP. Don't give a penny to the NRCC. Give a give your money to candidates that come before you and can articulate what the America First agenda is, so that they're accountable to you and not the the corporate donor class. And we just we actually have to have fighters. Otherwise, I mean, it's it's all it's all going to be for nothing. We've been here before. Republicans have won more elections than we've lost than before any of us were alive. Since Richard Nixon, Republicans have been winning elections. We actually have a winning record, and in the process, we've lost the country. So we have to really start thinking: uh, How are we going to go and fight? Are we going to put forward America First fighters? that are going to bring about that tried and true agenda that we know actually benefits working class people and protects the sovereignty of our country. That has to be our charter. Yeah, it absolutely does. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, I think it's the direction we're all heading in right now. And it's, it's looking pretty favorable heading into these midterm elections. Joe, before we cut with you, we want our listenership to be able to support you in any way, shape or form, uh, whether that be, you know, going out there and knocking on doors with you in the ground in Washington or donating from your campaign all across the country, because we donate to the best America first candidates, not to the GOP and the establishment Republicans anymore. Also, if you could tell when the primary is coming up, 
So uh, anybody in the area who's listening right now could get directly involved as well. And then you, obviously your websites and social medias. Yeah, definitely. JoeKentForCongress.com is the touch point for everything. If people can make any kind of donation, 5, 10, 15 bucks, that's, that's what keeps us, keeps the momentum going and is really what threatens the, uh, the establishment. If you're in the district, you'll start getting your ballots towards the end of July, July 25th. They start sending them out. We unfortunately still do mail out ballots here. And then election day is August 2nd. Uh, if you're in the district, I'll be in battleground tonight at Playmakers Sports Bar doing a town hall in a bar because that's our, that's our heritage. Um, so Joe Kent for congress.com find our schedule support our campaign hope to see everybody out there on the trail this is the america first candidate trump endorsed who's looking to represent washington three in the upcoming midterm elections mr joe kent thanks for joining us again today on steak for breakfast thanks guys great to see you again it was great having joe kent back uh definitely one of his best segments with us for sure a lot of information the guys got a lot of moving parts going on in his brain and uh can pretty much touch on anything I, I like the tone that he brings. It, it lines up with a lot of the House representatives and, and, and senatorial candidates that we've had on the show talking about really pumping the brakes in this administration with the awareness of knowing that, you know, Joe Biden, God forbid, is still going to be the president for the next two years following the midterms. But there's a lot of stuff they could do, which includes defunding the government, which, which sounds like a viable option after some of the shit that they've been pulling lately. Something needs to happen. Yes. You know, it's great about Joe Kent. He was endorsed, first endorsed by President Trump back in September. And then he got the little boost. I believe it was April 26th when he came out. Mm-hmm. Donald Trump saying he's he's doing great. So it mentioned his, his, his wife that was uh, killed in Syria. You know, uh, if you look, maybe I'm just not paying attention. Maybe you guys know. I don't think Donald Trump does that for many people. That He gives the endorsement, but he literally, uh, you don't see him giving out the the boost of the endorsement you know, several months later, at least I haven't noticed it for a lot of other candidates and I, that he calls Joe Kent for yeah, seeing what's going on in his district. So it's Donald Trump seems uh, heavily engaged in watching his campaign. I know he's watching a lot, but I don't know. Do you guys see him giving those little booster endorsements a lot? No, I could probably count them on, on one hand. Right. So that, I think that that's something that that should be noticed. Uh, whoever, especially listeners out there in, in, in Joe Kent's uh, district, uh, we need him. We need him in Congress. We need a lot of Joe Kent's in Congress uh, just for fighting for not just his district, for, for the country. Yep. I think he's going to make a lot of noise in the fall when he gets over there, and it's going to be uh, great to watch him get through the finish line over the course of the next couple months. Remember, uh, you got early voting starting soon, and they got that jungle primary, so every vote counts in uh, the great state of Washington. Um, back up on the Beltway, like I said, it was it's budget appropriations time, so everybody's proposed budgets are getting taken before committee. Uh, the crappiest of secretaries of state, Tony Blinken, was up on Capitol Hill yesterday trying to justify the budget for all of the international disasters that we were uh, responsible for across the world, in addition to the now th- additional 33%, um, or I'm sorry, $33 billion in additional funds heading from your wallet as the taxpayer straight into Ukraine and who knows where uh, after that. Um, Lee Zeldin, he was up and he was talking about the Iran nuclear deal and all of the retarded logistics that go along with it. We've pointed it out on the show, but let's hear him say it. Secretary, thank you for, for being here. I wanted to follow up on some of the questions and comments brought up earlier related to uh, the Iran nuclear deal, the JCPOA. When Secretary of State John Kerry was here, sitting where you are nearly seven years ago, uh, he was asked about uh, why it wasn't submitted to JCPOA, why the JCPOA wasn't submitted to Congress as a treaty. 
And he essentially was stating that the reason why it wasn't submitted was because of difficulty getting it passed. Uh, now this is relevant again as the Biden administration may be entering into a nuclear deal with Iran. Why wouldn't this be a treaty? As I, I think, thank you, Congressman. Uh, I think as I noted uh, a short while ago. They all sound the same. Many, in fact, most arms control, non-proliferation agreements that are multilateral in nature as this one is, are actually not submitted to treat as treaties. If you go back through the long history of that, uh, many are not. Yeah, I'm, I'm asking is, why not. I'm asking why wouldn't a, a nuclear deal similar to the JCPOA, why would that not be a treaty? Because in many instances, uh, doing it uh, in the way that uh, we would do it gives us much greater flexibility to make sure that if, for example, there's a violation of the agreement by the Iranians, we can act quickly uh, to deal with that. And why wouldn't it be a treaty? Again, Le legally. What's the definition? Do you know what a treaty is? What's a treaty? So the legally uh, required obligations undertaken by both parties to uh, to an agreement. Mm, sounds so how, how would this not be a treaty? Under, on the definition you just provided, see, the thing is, is that you would then have to submit this to Congress, and then it would have to be ratified. And then it's non-binding if that doesn't happen. But the definition that you just provided, which is one that I, I would agree with, mm -hmm. means that this is a treaty that under the United States Constitution would then get submitted to Congress for ratification. You know, you can't include pallets of cash to Iran if you write it up in a treaty. It's just not the way it works. And mm. uh, we know there's a lot of shady dealings going on with Russia, of all people, brokering it behind the scenes between the U.S. and Iran. Can we just have, like, 10% less shady shit going on? Like, just, just set a number. Let's just do seven less. To, 7 to 10%? 7% to 10%. I think that's misinformation. How dare you go to jail? I think I just heard someone <laughs> knock on my door. Oh, they wouldn't be knocking. <laughs> Flash grenades. Yeah, I was thinking smoke canister. <sighs> smoke canister, SWAT teams, CNN camera. We won't stay on Tony Blinken too long because he's just not worth it. Um, but Rand Paul wanted to let him have it a little bit before we cut with this segment. And uh, he was talking about some of the logistics that go into the whole Russia-Ukraine narrative. Um, a lot of it makes sense. You know, Rand Paul is a very cerebral guy. He... he Definitely builds a narrative uh, behind the scenes before he brings it and presents it. He, I, that's how I think he did such an excellent job of always being able to corner Dr. Fauci because every time he tried to wiggle his way out of getting in trouble for something, Rand Paul's like, okay, you want to say that, but then there's this, but then there's this. There's the Wuhan lab. There's Peter Daszak. You know, there's all this other stuff. There's documents from, like, 2014. Who's putting patents on viruses then? He kind of tried to do the same thing with Russia right here. Let's hear it. Five dollars. Ben, or are they to become part of NATO that means U.S. soldiers will be fighting in Ukraine, and that's something I very much oppose. Senator, can I just say to that, because it's an, look, these, these are important uh, conversations and arguments. My judgment is different. Uh, if you look at the countries that Russia has attacked uh, over the last years, Georgia, uh, leaving forces in Transnistria and Moldova, and then repeatedly Ukraine, these were countries that were not part of NATO. Uh, it has not attacked NATO countries uh, for probably you a very could, good reason. You could also argue the countries they've attacked were part of Russia. Mm. Well, that, uh, uh, we're part of the Soviet Union. Yes, and right. I, fir I firmly disagree with, uh, with, with that proposition. It is the fundamental right of these countries to decide their own future and their own destiny. And I'm not here's, saying here's, it's not, here's but I'm important. saying that the countries that have been attacked, Georgia and Ukraine, were part of the Soviet Union. And, that does were, not and they Russia were part of right the Soviet Union since the 1920s. But that does not... That does not give Russia the right to attack them. On the no contrary, no one's saying it does. They were, but it they were really liberated has nothing to from do. being part of this uh, empire by force. Let me 
empire by force. Rand Paul's really annoyed with the fact that we're just sending unlimited everything over there and there's no accountability for it. Yeah. The, you know, the, the Ukrainian government has admitted it. And I don't know if you guys saw the, the equivalent to the secretary of defense did the rounds on the uh, Sunday news circuit this weekend and went through a 15 minute interview with one of the douchebags, I believe from CBS and at the end, he basically told her, like, it is the responsibility of the American taxpayer to fund and pay for salaries and pension of Ukrainian government workers. Oh. Yes. Salaries and pensions. Wait. Mm-hmm. These the same, what was it, the wife of some government official who was leaving with suitcases full of cash? Yeah, I believe it was $28 million. I wonder if we sent that money. Via a pallet. Yeah. Seems how we like to do it. Alan, how do you feel about paying for the uh, pensions and salaries of Ukrainian government officials? It's our responsibility, according to him. I don't know. It sounds dirty. Uh, oh, this it is does. A, we've got Alan speechless. <laughs> it does. The look it, on it, your face was the, priceless. The whole, the whole thing, the whole thing is disgusting. I, I, don't, I can't even just put into words about. I can't. I, yeah, I'm speechless. It's, on it. it's just, like it's. A runaway train of bullshit. And it's just, and it's like, well, you know, the smoke is pretty thick. Maybe people won't see the train. (laughs) But the problem is there are so many people buying this bullshit. There are so many people buying it. Well, it's because their team is the one putting out the bullshit and you can't go against your own team. That's not misinformation. No. I mean, there are smart people that are starting to go against their team, but. That's a good point. Yeah. You know, who's never been. Really? Yeah, but those people get rounded up by the disinformation ministry or whatever the fuck it is. I'm putting the truth gulag. Is there a truth gulag? <laughs> there will be soon. Truth gulag social. <sighs> Donald Trump tweeted his first one yesterday. I saw that. Yeah. Feffy. Um, someone who's never really been associated with being a wizard of academia, but could be a witch. Big Nance Pelosi. The disconnect between the radical progressive left and the blue-collar working men and women of the United States is ridiculous. And when you hear her talk about rising gas prices and her uh, argument for it and who to blame. How many uh, pints of ice cream does it cost her to fill up her gas tank? (laughs) Less than one. There you go. (laughs) How much is that fucking ice cream? $300 a pint. Okay, so... What? Yeah, that's just about anybody's tank of gas minus a diesel tanker. Yeah. Wait, wait. $300 a pint for ice cream? Yeah. Yeah, she is a fucking raging cunt. That's not real. For, no, re- for real. She she literally had her $10,000 refrigerator. Yeah. And she's like talking about how she likes this fucking ice cream. And it's imported from Italy. It comes from one specialized like ice cream brewery. It's a gelato. And with somebody went and doxed the company and showed what the subscription rates are, and the lowest subscription rate was $300. Yeah, and you know she doesn't have the poor people subscription right. to that. Right, like that's what the peasants possibly could eat. Yeah, that's what the peasants would eat if they had $300 for a pint of ice cream. Yeah, they did like a, let's go visit Nancy Pelosi when she's locked down with, uh, during COVID time. So they did like a whole like MTV Cribs of her house. Yeah, and- it's fucking bullshit. These fucking people do not live on the same planet as us. No. She was sending out $600 checks while eating $300 pints of ice cream. Pints of ice cream. And don't worry. <laughs> Look at his face. <sighs> Vanilla beans, her favorite. Oh, you want to hear her talk about who to blame for the gas prices? Check this one out. Ugh. Why we are not doing something about the exploitation of, ice of cream. big oil of big in ice terms cream. of it, it, its impact 
on America's working families. I'm very excited about this possibility. New, new flavor. So let's see how the public weighs in, and let's hope that our Republican colleagues, enough of them, like will come bean. down on the side of their constituents and the consumers instead of big oil. I'm talking about this subject now. Do we have any further questions about this? Oh, oh wow. how dare you! <clears throat> no, I don't think the public is blaming Democrats. I think they're blaming the oil companies. They're, they will blame all of us if we don't do something about uh, the fossil fuel industry. Margarita. No, why would we say that? Yeah. I, I, I don't think what you say is making very much sense, frankly. I mean, in all fairness, we're friends. Candor is part of our friendship. <laughs> the Republicans are standing in the way. The Republicans are standing in the If, if, let's hope they don't. If the Republicans stand in the way of us freeing, freeing the consumer of the stranglehold of big oil, oh. You think they're going to blame that on the Democrats? Hell yeah. You think that? Hell yeah, bitch. You think that. Okay. Alan, you think that, don't you? Yeah, I do. I do. I really think and hope that Nancy Pelosi takes a huge spoonful of her $300 ice cream, puts it in her mouth. And chokes it and on it. And the brain freeze gives her the <laughs> most massive stroke ever. Yes, I am wishing the massive stroke on Nancy Pelosi because she needs to just expire i'm sorry it'll be for the good of the country i'm not wishing violence on her i'm just wishing that she dies of massive brain freeze secondary of a stroke it'd be a natural disaster to say the least no would that be would that be called global cooling there you go the uh the crypt keeper the icebergs wouldn't be melting on that day and john coleman would smile in heaven no you're our our trove of off-topic information. I'm going to spell word for you. Can you define it for me? A-B-E-R-R-A-T-I-O-N. Did you spell that right? Yeah. Aberration? Aberration. Yeah. Okay. Don't know it? No, it's... It's like a palpitation? No. A hiccup? It's not like that, I don't think. Well... It's it's like a deviation. Yeah. Okay, well, Nancy, Nancy also weighed in. Same presser. <clears throat> talking about inflation and the horrible economic numbers. Because I don't know if you guys heard... The GDP report came out. Um, analysts were hyping it up because all they do is lie about Joe Biden and said we were going to clear easily 1% GDP for the quarter. And it was revealed yesterday that the actual numbers came out. Remember, greatest jobs president in the history of jobs. So you're saying there was a slight aberration? Negative 1.4%. Mm-hmm. Almost double negative of what they were hyping up everybody to be. So stocks, tanks, and probably so did our retirement for a bit. But let's hear Nancy Pelosi try to, you know, uh, legitimize this narrative. An issue that's, that's a lot of American people are dealing with is the economy. And, and we just got the latest numbers showing that it, that it could dip slightly. Is this going to have any effect on the 2022 election come November? You think? Well, the uh, I think this is an aberration. There are plenty other statistics and and analysis that have said uh, this is an, an aberration, and there are many other factors that show that we have growth in our near future. The number yeah. literally came out that day, and their growth was negative 1.4% GDP. <laughs> There's your stats and data. And, and for everyone else who's thinking that they're going to pull off like a last-minute, bottom-of-the-ninth, two-out, two-on, 
uh, error that brings in the game-winning run in Game 7 of the World Series, it's definitely not going to happen because Nancy Pelosi was asked about student loan debt, which everybody's saying now is going to be like Joe Biden's ace in the hole, his trump card, that he's going to just go and cancel anywhere between 10000 and the entirety of student loan debt, which would put, I believe, $13,000 of additional taxes on every American citizen in this country. Wait, say that again? If, if Joe Biden cancels student loan debt, $13,000 every American citizen would be charged in taxes for it. In a year? I, get, I don't know if it's going to be like, but that just goes to, you know how we're all like indebted like $154,000 just for being alive? Yeah. This would be added to that. So $13,000. Per. Per person. Close to $340 million. So you're talking if I would have gone for a cheap community college, maybe mm-hmm. basket weaving minor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Fuck that. <laughs> yeah. So the trucker that makes great money and is able to take care of his family and his own business is going to get taxed out the ass for these pieces of shit that couldn't, that went to college and had to go to pronouns university. Yeah. People that went to college. Change their fucking major or whatever you want to call it fucking 18 times because they didn't figure out what the fuck they wanted to do or the class that they picked was too fucking hard and they couldn't juggle beer bonging and banging sorority girls. Or guys. (laughs) Or guys. (laughs) But just in case you were hoping. I mean, I hope you had fun at college, but I I don't want to pay for it. No, That's why I didn't go. And neither does the average blue-collar American worker. What's your Nancy say what Joe Biden's powers aren't? think that the president of the United States, is this more on the subject than you ever want to know? Will you let me know? People think that the president of the United States has the power for debt forgiveness. He does not. Mm. He can postpone. He can delay. But he does not have that power. That would has to be an act of Congress. Well, I can tell you what, after the midterm elections, that shit isn't happening. But we are going to end on a positive note. In our last audio clip of the week, uh, I don't know if either one of you guys saw this. Yesterday, Joe Biden vapor locked on TV. Oh, yeah, it was good. It was pretty, oh, yeah. It was pretty good. Um, kleptocracy, I think, was the word he was trying to get Kleptocracy. I've seen so many good ones, and the, the best one is probably when he tries to say it, and it's like the windows closing <laughs> chime. But, but let's hear it unedited and, and see what he actually this is the leader of the free world and our president. They're going to blame it on his stutter, but it's just because his brain's melted, Joe Biden. Of, uh, that will enhance our underlying effort to accommodate the Russian oligarchs uh, and make sure we take their, take their, their ill-begotten gains. Accommodate them? <laughs> We're going to accommodate them. Okay. We're going to seize their yachts, their luxury homes, and other ill-begotten gains of Putin's kleptocracy. Kleptocracy. The guys who are the kleptocracies. (laughs) But these are bad. That stupid laugh. Who's in charge of the teleprompter? I don't know, but you did. You did catch. He went back and read the same sentence twice. Yes. And 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 then that was too much because after he read it twice, probably what he was supposed to be reading in real time was already up at the top, and he just as it vapor locked. I mean, this is. But at least we can end with a chuckle. It sure is. What a weird. Crazy, wild ride it's been this week. Kind of light in the loafers last week because of coming out of Easter weekend. We didn't really have too much of the news cycle, so we had to throw a whole bunch of news mashes together. But I think the best part about it is 
And aside from our great, amazing guest, was having Alan Jacoby with us on Back to Back Fridays. Yeah. You guys are the best. I'm I'm glad you had me here. I had fun. Yeah, I, I'm not going to say you're 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 more attractive than Antoinette, but you definitely lead into some good commentary for the show. So I'm going to. Are we seeing you tomorrow? Yes, Fantastic. tomorrow morning on the Great Steak Breakfast on the Patriot Podcast Network. Absolutely. Our live show. Our live show tomorrow, 10 a.m. Eastern, 7 a.m. Pacific. And before we cut with you, Alan, where can we find you on uh, all of your other great places we like to let our listenership uh, lead into every time you're on with us? You know, before I plug myself, I mm. just pulled something up. So I, That's I, what she I, said. I, 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 ah, you I beat can't. me. You fucking beat me to it. <laughs> you're, you're tired. Did, I, did you guys, I've had an hour you, of sleep. Did you guys, really quick, did you guys just see the statement uh, a few hours ago that Donald Trump put out April 29th of, of today about the o- Obama, Barack Obama's chief of staff text messages? Did you see that yet? Yeah, that he wants them all released. You saw that, right? Mm-hmm. I just I, I, I just happened to, it just came across my screen so that he's immediately calling for the release of all the text messages. I'm, that That's, that's, I, very interesting. I just wanted to, yeah, I didn't know if you guys saw that. That's, that's going to be uh Quite something how they respond to that, which they're not, of course. It's going to yeah. be something else, but whatever. We'll talk about the legal parameters of it, though, because we're going to have Amir Beno with us on the 13th, yes. and maybe on the same day or the week after, we'll have Cash Patel, uh, who's pretty uh, dialed in not only to everything Trump world, but the legal things that are going on right now with like the uh, Durham investigation. True, true. Well, on that note, thank you for having me. And you can find me over at my website, thegreatdivide1776.com. My Facebook, it's the Great Divide 1776. I'm on Instagram. I'm everywhere. I'm like broken glass. And I join you guys on on Saturday mornings, the Great Steak Breakfast. And yeah, I'm I'm happy to uh happy you guys had me. I appreciate it. And I hope Antoinette gets better soon so she can get back in the saddle and be with you guys again. Yeah, well, it's our pleasure to always host you. You've always got a show that you can come uh talk shit with us here. And as we uh Segue away from that and into the sunset of the week. And here we are. We are here. In between all the things that bring us together. Which Kamala Harris likes to call space. <laughs> Speaking of relish. Spase? Spase. You could find us pretty much anywhere you could download anything iTunes, Spotify, Pod Addict, Podbean, Google Podcasts, FM Player, iHeartRadios, and the Patriot Podcast Network via your Roku app. Download the show, subscribe, rate it, and leave a review. Download, listen, like, follow, and share steak for breakfast content. Show creds obviously go to our amazing guest today, Washington Thirds House candidate, Mr. Joe Kent, and the uh, senatorial candidate out of the great state of Georgia first time on steak for breakfast won't be the last mr herschel walker and of course our lovely guest host of the day one of our great friends the host of the great divide mr alan jacoby thank you thank you in addition to him some of our internet friends cagbro 88 the patriotic babe accounts mr garbaggio kyle becker of kyle becker news john backman of newsmax christina bob of save america and tom pappert the editor-in-chief of valiant news live Friends, don't forget to go out and throw some cash at our partners because when you do that, the only thing that it does for us is helps make small American businesses great again. My pillow. Remember, the BOGO starts Monday. Buy a my pillow, you get another one free. Giza Dream Everything, another one free. My pillow portables? Noah's got one. Gave me a thumbs up to it before. Buy one, get one free. I actually got two of them. Even better. 
big, big savings. Buy one, get one free when you enter promo code STAKE at checkout. Hit them up on the website, mypillow.com forward slash stake, or talk to a qualified pillow representative down at the apparatus known as the MyPillow family. 1-800-658-8045. The top tier of ear gear and all things related can be found at Odyssey. Get those ears done right. You really get the highest quality studio sound for what you pay for. Odyssey.com. Find them on Facebook. Find them on Instagram. Stay ready, gear holsters. Picture Nancy Pelosi drunk at the podium saying how uh, high gas prices aren't her fault. Stay ready, gear holsters. will put it on a piece of melted plastic, turn it into a concealed carry holster that you could hide underneath your shirt because nobody wants to see her. StayReadyGear.com is the website. Find them on Facebook and Instagram as well. But you'd have to put her in your pants. <laughs> Men rubs! Speaking of which, my favorite, when you buy it, shake it, sprinkle it, smoke it, Drizzle on a little barbecue sauce, pull it and throw it in your mouth. Num, num, num. Damn! Manrubs.com. Find them on Facebook. Find them on Instagram. Mike down at West Coast Survival Arms. He's got a pretty simple equation for everything he's got going on down there. Firearms, parts, accessories, and ammo. WestCoastSurvivalArms.com is the website. 619-870-6992 is the phone number, and you can hit him up on Facebook Messenger. Do you like boobies and booties? Mm. Check out Mediocre Medics IG. They've got all that tactical deliciousness. MediocreMedic.com is the website. And last but certainly not least, you definitely want to have a zero fucks duck. You don't know? Go ask Mark Joe Friday. Dumpbox.us. Find him on Facebook. Find him on Instagram. Upcoming shows. We're going to be back, circling back on Tuesday of next week. Luna Lopez, who's running in Florida for Jim Bognett will be back with us. Round two, running in Pennsylvania eight. And we'll do the news with Krista Hilton. We did her show about a week and a half ago. No one myself did. She's the hostess of Drunk Politics. She'll be in to do the news with us. Next Friday, we have former Trump administration official and current host of This Is Your Country podcast, Paige Wiley. In addition to her, we're going to do a little interview status. We'll have Andrew McCarthy in to do the news. Following week, May 10th, from the apparatus, Forrest Epstein. He'll be in with us. In addition to that, George Papadopoulos will be sitting down with us for the first time. Epstein. On the 13th of May, Amir Benno, who is sick call today, will be joining us on the show. We're going to be talking about a bunch of different things, everything from Elon Musk to impeachment and more. Looking down the road a piece a little bit, either on the 13th or the 17th of May, Cash Patel will be here. I've got it confirmed. We're figuring out what day is better for him. He's going to be jumping into uh, all things Sussman investigation on May 20th, which consequently will be the day that Christina Bob circles back with us. And I don't know why. I guess the campaign trail's heating up, but we're looking all the way down the road now to June 10th. Hard confirmation coming back, round four. Gubernatorial candidate out of the great state of Arizona, Miss Carrie Lake, will be on steak for breakfast. Nice. It's going to be a good one. Guys, everything that you need to know and do between now and next show, it's not that hard. First of all, don't forget Friends of the Week. Alan Jacoby could be one of them. Hugh White memes, Sublime and Slime. What I mean to say, Grand Old Memes. Right Wing Savages 3.0. Midnight Mitch. Mostly Peaceful Memes. Snack Dickelson and Baby Cakes 2.0. Number one, do your own research. Number two, start a podcast. Noah, easy? Mm. How are the edits today? 
Not bad. Okay. I'll, I'll take it. Most importantly, let's see what happens. Guys, this has been episode 130 of the Steak for Breakfast podcast. We'll be back on Tuesday with Luna Lopez, Jim Bognett, and Krista Hilton. On behalf of the pod team today, I'm Roan. Noah? Later. Have a great weekend. Alan, thanks for joining us. Thank you. Have a good one, everybody. Thanks for listening, and take care.